your ride ready for spring driving with Dobbs Spring Break Deals. Money saver deals you can use on Goodyear, Pirelli, Cooper, Michelin, and General Tires. Expert auto service, too. Click on GoToDobbs.com for spring break deals now. For over two decades, E&B Granite has been St. Louis's trusted name for kitchen, bathroom, and outdoor space renovations that are guaranteed to bring new life into your living spaces. Their skilled team will provide you with personalized customer service, fast turnaround times, and prices you won't find with big box stores. Support local and schedule free consultation at enbgranite.com or call them at 314-645-9300 or better yet, stop by the showroom and explore their massive inventory. Again, that's enbgranite.com. This is the Character and Smallman Podcast, powered by I Promise. Now here's Character and Smallman. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to a Friday edition of Character Smallman and Danny Mac on 101 ESPN. It's 701. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Great to have you with us for the next Several hours. Jay Delsing will join us at the bottom of this hour. We'll talk to Chris Rose, formerly of MLB Network, now with John Boy Sports, uh, John Boy Media. He'll be with us in the 9 o'clock hour. Michelle Smallman, good morning to you. Good morning, Randy. Good morning, Dan. Good morning, guys. So the Cardinals uh, lose last night, 4-2. to two. Mm. Kind of disappointing. And the end is what everybody's talking about this morning. With a couple of runners on, Rondon is sent to the plate, and I kind of... I would have, Dan, probably sent up Goldschmidt at that point, but Rondon bunts into a double play and does the Cardinals in. Uh, Goldie strikes out to end, or uh, Goldie walked, and then Edmund struck out to to end the game. So we're going to start at the end. What did you think of the whole situation at the end? It's the beauty of the sport where everybody's got an opinion on what you should do. My personal opinion, I let him swing away. And I understand that if you let him swing away... um, could strike out and and that's okay but i know in my back pocket i got goldie coming up and if he bunts which i understood that side of it too i've got now two guys in scoring position if all goes to plan and some bats that can put the ball in play and one that can win it for sure with one swing of the bat i just i didn't like it you know i I think though mike in the last I was thinking about this. On the road trip, I thought he bunted a little bit more. I thought they stole bases a little bit more, and I think he's realizing that with the depleted lineup at times, he's going to have to generate some offense. It just didn't work out. It was just one of those plays. It just didn't work out. Understand what he's trying to do. Mm -hmm. Disappointing loss, because I think if they get the bunt down, I think they tie it at least and win the game. The momentum was there for the taking. But Goldie, you you take the bat out of Goldie's hands, right? Yeah, um, because at that point, first base is open, and then you're – so the – flip side of that is what you're saying is with one out I think I can tie this game with Tommy Edmond and Dylan Carlson coming up because I do I think you you, with first base open you walk him and he got a little discombobulated in the box too you know so in theory it could have it could have worked and I appreciate not just trying to get one of the the true outcomes and trying to generate some offense in that way I do um I like your thought though why not send Goldie for Rondon which is something I I briefly thought about, but I, I think the other part of that, what I liked was that, and I'm going on the basis of what I saw in spring training, mm-hmm. which is Rondon has got some power. I loved him. Yeah. And, and was swinging the bat well. So I don't have the, the most recent reports of, hey, he's doing this in this situation or he's doing that in the minor leagues where the intensity is is magnified because it's real baseball. It's real games. Not to say that spring training isn't, but you know what I'm saying. Um 
and I, and based on that, I liked the fact that if he, he could walk into one and maybe win the game for you. So, but I think you're right. I think you're onto something where you say send Goldie there. They force him. They force the the Reds, even though third base is open. But you're not going to do anything with that. You're, you're going to have to pitch to him, and that's a good point. Meanwhile, Adam Wainwright was great, and he, he you, you hate to put that kind of pressure on Adam Wainwright. You hate, you hate to put that load on his shoulders, but he loves it. He loves being the ace. With Jack Flaherty out, Adam Wainwright is the guy that can be the ace on this team. And last night, he goes seven innings. He rebounds from a tough early start. He allows three runs. Hey, if you can tell me that your Cardinal starting pitcher is going to give you seven innings and allow three runs every single night, I'll take it. And this is what we talked about yesterday. Adam Wainwright, when his team needs him, finds a way. Mm-hmm. He finds a way to put them in a good position, which is why not only coming off that tough game versus the Dodgers and starting the series, you will obviously want to take the win. But when Adam Wainwright gives you that, you don't want to miss that opportunity. I love how he makes in-game adjustments. The first two innings, he threw 50 pitches. The next five, 55 so he clearly wasn't quite right in the first when he hit a couple guys, wound up hitting three, which was a career high for him, and uh, gives you a chance to win. He's great at home. Mm-hmm. His ERA is almost a, a five runs different uh, away from Bush and then what he does at Bush, and he figured something out. You could tell his curveball was rolling at times. Winker hit the home run on a big hump on the curveball, but he got it right. And his ability to make in-game adjustments, to me, is one of the things that will define his career that we don't talk about enough. He has the ability to change in game where a lot of guys don't. And they say, well, I got to work on it in the bullpen. It's going to be another, you know, five days. And he, he figured out how to get you through at least seven innings. So he gave you a chance to win. Second to four tonight at the ballpark, KK against Luis Castillo. Who What's going see, on with him? Didn't see this coming. One and eight with a 7.22. Yikes. I got to do some uh, deep dive. I got to do some digging on this. I don't know what's going on with that guy because he's he should not be one and eight with no. that high of an ERA. And the Cardinals started that opening day, smoked and him. He's just never recovered from it. Michelle, what's going on with him? I don't know. Sometimes you just don't have it, Dan. Yeah, I can handle that. Well, and, and you know what? Hey, I can handle that. <laughs> you know, sometimes you just <laughs> don't right. have it. Just the, don't have it. The alarming thing <laughs> he is he doesn't have it right he now. He doesn't have it right now. Yeah, the, the alarming thing to me isn't the record. I mean, we've seen guys start off one and seven, <clears> right? Right. Both Tudor and Carpenter. Tudor. Yeah, and. and had have really good years, but the seven point two two earned run average—that's unbelievable. And, and maybe, and if you talk to some Cincinnati people, the first half of what we've played so far. So we played fifty games, first twenty-five games. Their defense was so bad. I'm sure there were situations where there were misplays that were made that weren't errors because you had Suarez at short. And you had, we were moving around Mustakas. Right. That was a really bad defense for the first twenty-five games. They're terrible. Um, and so far, you know, their their collective ERA, the Reds. This is going to be interesting. I think in the next three nights going forward or three days. Is I, to me, David Bell was going for broke. So their ERA is the worst in baseball combined in sp- uh, for starters and for relievers. It's over five. And TJ Antone, by the way, might be the best reliever I've seen this year. Yeah. He is awesome. So he had two innings. And then Lucas Sims has been kind of reliable for them. And they got the final uh, four innings. They got mm-hmm. out of it. And so I, I kind of feel that they went for broke. David Bell said, this is my best chance to win I got to do it. You know, uh, I, I got to win these games and we're chasing these guys. And this gives me my best chance. I'm going my two best. Well, they, they threw two innings last night a piece. So you got to figure going forward off. They're probably off tonight. You're not looking at multiple innings going forward. I wouldn't think on Saturday and probably maybe not Sunday either. Yeah. That's that's good. That's that. That's the one thing about when you look at like how the Cardinals are dealing with the big three. 
if you use him and you got to mm-hmm. have somebody else step up. Like Daniel Ponce de Leon came in last night, walked a guy, and that walk came around to score. Mm-hmm. You, yeah. you just you got to have other people. If you go to a game this weekend, you're going to receive a Cardinals baby blue jersey. Awesome. You're either going to get Michaelis, Flaherty, well, uh, or DeYoung. Um, well, so Yikes. you're gonna you're gonna get hurt if you. Mm-mm, no, you aren't. <laughs> Let me finish my drink of coffee. Don't you dare say that, Randall. You're going to go to the game. You're going to get one of those players. You will not get hurt. Okay, that's on the fine print. No, you will no not go twisted on the, ankles in the parking lot? No, no, you will not go on the injured list for your said place of work. No broken teeth no, nachos? No, no, okay. no, no. You're going to be but just I, fine. I'm glad that, I guess... Uh, Goldie and Arenado jerseys aren't being given away. <laughs> right, no or doubt. Tyler O'Neill at this point, right, because yeah. another another strong night from him, too. We need to keep people healthy. That's there, right. Including the fans. Right. No, Randall, don't say that okay. again. Before yesterday's game, the Cardinals made a couple of roster moves. Here is the Pobo, John Moselock. Yeah, I just want to start off with um, that we are going to activate Andrew Miller today. And by doing so, we have designated uh, Mr. Webb and... You know, we do hope we can find a way to retain him. Um, obviously, you know, depth matters right now, but you also have to um, think about performance and, and where he is at this point. And so uh, to get Miller on, we will uh, designate Webb. And try to get Webb back as a minor leaguer to Memphis and try to get him straightened out down there because his stuff still has the chance to play. He's been good for the Cardinals for three years, and the Cardinals just want to see if they can get him straight now. Yeah, with that 13 ERA, though. Yeah, can't use that. Can't use that. Got to throw strikes. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the general theme in my mind of what's going on with the, the bullpen, but he's kind of the poster child for it. He just could not find the strike zone. And I, I know this may surprise fans, but you need to go back and look to when they acquired him, take out this year, but look at when they acquired him and the body of work that he put together. There were times where he might get beat up, and then it took a while to get the ERA down. That happens with a reliever. In the time that it took it to get down, he was fantastic. It just wasn't, I think when you watch him, it's not like, oh, here comes the guy throwing 98, and, you know, he's left-handed, he's not Hercules out there. It's just, he's a guy. He did a really nice job. He, and the the numbers bear that out. There would be some bad games, blow-up games, and you'd say, oh, that's, you know, this guy's not where we need to go. But then you look at the total package of the amount of games did a pretty nice job it's just this year for whatever reason he couldn't find the strike zone and to condense it even more it's just a 13 game stretch here he's allowed at least one run in 10 of 13 games but uh, yeah you look at the numbers dan over the last three years he's been a really good pitcher for the cardinals and he's not a guy you're not bringing him in in the ninth inning he's not blowing you away no he's he and he's also a guy, by the way, that can get out a right-handed hitter. There's not a whole lot of left-handers right. that can play by the rules of today's game where you have to face a minimum of three hitters. When he's going good, and he ha- we'll both admit, all three of us will admit, that he hasn't, go- he hasn't gone well for the last 13 games. But he's a guy that can give you three hitters. So when I looked at Miller or I look at Webb in years past, and I've really changed my thought process on this, I, I would say... Okay, what what's he doing against lefties? I don't really worry about that anymore. I look at the bullpen, and I, I do think you got to have a lefty or two in your pen, but I just look at splits. So mm-hmm. what what can a right-hander do against left-handed uh, hitters? Because he's going to have to face three anyway. So what mm-hmm. are you doing with the splits, the total package of that? So can the righty get out of lefty? And if that's the case, then I don't really worry about just having lefty-lefty matchups. 
So the Cardinals have Miller back, and Tyler Webb will make his way through waivers. I don't think he's going to get picked up and probably wind up at Memphis, and I would be surprised if we didn't see him here again at some point. Yeah. Michelle, Dan, Randy, 101 ESPN, coming up. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line, 65780. We've got Peak and Pit next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. I'm used to music this I, I love it. So. But what people don't realize is we don't control our own mics. Emily yeah. has to turn our mics on. And a lot of times we think we're talking and our mics are not on. Yeah. So <laughs> anyway, it's, uh, we, we, what we're sick of is our pits. We're not sick of our peaks. We like the peaks. Yes, we love the peaks. And I, put want, the, I put the wrong intro in my bad. So we want your peaks or pits, 65780. Guys, I'm going to start with my pit. Okay. What do you got, Randall? I'm going to start with my pit, which this week is Jack Flaherty getting hurt. Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. The Jack Flaherty mm-hmm. injury. That is a pit. But the peak kind of offsets that and everything else. <laughs> it's National Donut Day. Oh. Why didn't you bring him in? Yeah, where are the donuts? I didn't know until I got in here. Oh. But hopefully. Uh, You're selfish. I, I have not had a donut. Hopefully there is. You look great. I appreciate that, Dan. I haven't had many donuts lately. Been working out, hydrating. I, looks great. I would be willing to eat a donut on National Donut Day. I'm willing to make that sacrifice. So if uh, there so is a sacrifice, it is. Out. Oh, uh, so the other day we had to record Adam Wayne, right, Dan? You had to record. Okay. Well, yeah, because he mm-hmm. was on the West Coast. Sure, he didn't want to wake sure. up at 730 on sure. Wednesday. Don't blame him. Right. Don't I, I wouldn't I either. either. So... I'm, I'm thinking, okay, well, the bus is probably going to leave at 3 o'clock West Coast time, so maybe I'll have an opportunity to get something in early, but I didn't know, and maybe he was going to call earlier. So uh, wait, 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 wait some more. Mm-hmm. And my afternoon went by, and finally I wound up recording Adam at about 5.30 St. Louis time to 3.30 uh, West Coast time, and I didn't get a chance to get uh, an outdoor workout in. So I, I blew it already. I don't think I... I think you get a, a mulligan on that one. You don't get mulligans in 75 hard, though, do you, Michelle? No, you have to start over. But you know what? You're tough. Randy, no, it's not me. It's the program. Talk to Andy Frisella. All right. But I will say this, Randy. Even though you didn't get your workout in and 75 hard is technically over, that's still, what, seven or eight days that you, was, that yeah, you, had, yeah. you ate super well and worked out and yep. felt great. So it was a great jump start. Yeah. Messed up Memorial Day, but... You know, that's the way it goes. Wait a minute. You told me <laughs> sitting right here a week ago. You remember this, Michelle? Yes, yes. I said, hey, Randy, you love barbecue. You love holidays. Your family <laughs> blows it out with food. You guys have this big feast. I said, how are you going to do this? And he said, oh, no problem. You said, no, bro, I'll be fine and on I, Memorial Day. I got through it. But then Tuesday no, you came. said you blew it. I th- I blew having a fun time. Oh, I, I could have okay. eaten up Didn't on you Memorial misunderstand? Yes, yeah. I did. Okay. No, I did. I, Memorial Day could have been great. And for 24 hours... For an extra 24 hours of 75 hard, I didn't eat any buns or dessert or anything like that. It was kind of a hassle. Well, wow. I guess this weekend it's on then, Randy. You need to make up for lost time. Oh, we'll, we'll see. Absolutely. <laughs> I think if you've fallen off, you know, you just blow it out. That's right. You know. Embrace I did, it. I, I did uh, the, the following day. Well, maybe it was. No, it was the day before. Tuesday. Whatever. Yeah. No, Wednesday. I did go do a two-hour bike ride Good to try you. to make up for it. 
two hours. I'm serious. You look great. I appreciate that, Daniel. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so did you give your peak? Oh, you do it on day. Well, it's kind of. <laughs> kind I don't of like that one. Oh, I love it. The club horn. Oh. I'm going to turn that down now. Um, okay, my peak and pit is this. The peak, it's a short work week. You mentioned Memorial Day. Yeah. We had Monday off, and mm. today feels like a Thursday, but it's a Friday. So it feels tremendous. It's amazing. It is. So we're one step closer to the weekend. And my pit is that this morning I am driving into work, and I go to take a sip of my coffee, and the lid was not properly screwed on, and I spilled coffee all over myself. Are you going to sue somebody? I am not, unless I'm going to sue myself for being an idiot, which can happen. But I'll tell you this. It's not even ruining my pants and likely standing up my car that upsets me. It's not the scalding hot feeling I felt on my thigh. It is the fact that I am now about three sips less into my coffee, and that's a precious resource when you get up this early. It is. So that's my pit, is that I lost three massive sips of coffee. Understood. Dan, you feel me on this one. I totally do, because you know I love my coffee. That's right. I drank probably... I had probably... I'd say eight cups yesterday. Nice. Yeah, I was dragging <laughs> yesterday a little bit. Um, okay, my peak is, and it's something that, Michelle, I think you'll really feel this, okay? Okay, okay. Um, and it has to do with Randy. Okay. Uh, and, Emily, I think you'll enjoy this, too, is my peak is seeing when we come back from breaks and Randy has the headphones in his ear, and as Michelle rightfully described and pointed out, that we don't control our mics, and Randy starts... <laughs> Welcome back to Carriker and Smallman and Danny Mac here on 101, and nothing is going out over the air. And Randy's having a great conversation. He's energized. He's fired up. And it does put a smile on my face. It's practice, Dan. Because you are an old man. That is the, uh, that's an old man moment. And I feel like I'm an old man well, because I do it, too. The other thing is we don't even have lights that go on. That's right. true. That tell you that you're on the air. Right. Little you red don't light. even know it until you can't hear yourself in your ears. There's a thing we learned in college radio. It's called hitting the post. And I start talking usually when we, we hit the post. But that doesn't happen either. It, we... it does put a smile on my face. I'm, glad it does. I'm sorry, it's entertaining. No, I'm, I'm glad to entertain you. <laughs> I wish everybody could hear it. It's because then we wouldn't have this issue. Because there's only two of us that can hear it, and Emily can't even over there. And she's like, "No, Randy, hold on, I got you in a second. My I'll favorite just shake is his... my finger. Yeah. My favorite is his face when he realizes that the mic's yeah. not yeah. on. He's like, oh, oh, do, "I'll do a little dance sometimes." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I do love that. All right. Oh well, yeah. I, I got what? You don't want me to give a pit? I want a pit. Yeah. No problem. We'll move on. I like your pits too okay my pit thrilled by your peak thank you uh (laughs) don't be too thrilled um my pit is uh first inning game three against the dollar ouch that was not good and it wound up being historic it was like the biggest first inning they've ever had since they moved to los angeles that's how bad it was and so martinez gave you two-thirds of an inning and then i realized i'm in a studio in st louis at about 10 o'clock at night it's kind of cold Jimmy is with me, and we're like, we really want to have a better game than this. And realizing I got eight and a half more innings, or eight more innings. So brutal. Yeah. Yeah. That was a season pit. Yeah, it really was. That wasn't a good one, Michelle. No, not not. good at all. But that's all right. You know, one game out of 162, you move on. That's my pit. All right. Michelle, uh, Emily, what do you have for us? From the 618 pit, forced to work six days next week. But their peak vacation for two weeks right after. There you oh, go. Yeah. I give up one day for two weeks. Two week vacation, awesome. You guys doing anything for vacation this summer? I am I don't have any plans at the moment. Okay. Michelle? I am going out of town next weekend, actually. Are you? Where are you going? To Jackson Hole, Wyoming. 
Oh, awesome. Yeah. Good for you. Thanks. Yeah. I've right. never been there. I'd love to go there. I've never been either. I will come back with recommendations and a good report, a Can't thorough wait. scouting report. Looking forward to it. Emily? <laughs> I just did mine. So okay. I, I don't know if we're going anywhere else. Well, we got all these different places here. With Peaker Pit. Oh, I thought we're I thought you were asking me. I no, no, you I know you got back from Rosemary. Courteous no, I was asking me. Rosemary Beach, I know. What <laughs> else you got on Peaker Pit? <laughs> from the six three six Peak Long Holiday Weekend. Pit, I live in Austin, Texas, and we have been dealing with heavy rain and flooding for nearly an entire month. Ooh. I wasn't even aware of that. Me neither. Me neither. Wow. So, glad you're listening in Austin to us. We do appreciate it. And we don't want to make you jealous, but our weather has been magnificent. Ballpark oh, last night was awesome. Perfect. It was right? absolutely well, was perfect. perfect. And it's supposed to be warm this weekend and really nice. So come on out. You kept saying during the game, it's a perfect night here in St. Louis. And I kept thinking, I have such FOMO. I wish I was at the ballpark. It was awesome. It wasn't too hot. It wasn't humidity. Yes. It was just perfect. I thought about that because sooner rather than later, it's going to get be hot. so hot at night. Yes. <laughs> From the 618 peak, watching Michael Porter Jr. evolve as a great NBA player and Pitt, his injury preventing Mizzou from a national title chance. I thought about that. Watching him play, if you're a Mizzou fan, you have to you have to watch him evolve and say, man, what if? And his brother. You know, what if you mm-hmm. could have kept them beyond the one year? Um, I was so excited when they got him. You know, number one recruit in the nation. He's sitting in your backyard. He's going to Columbia, Missouri, and gets hurt, and you never saw the best of him. And I'll tell you this, as much as you hate to give credit to a Kroenke front office, getting Jokic with the 41st or 43rd pick and then taking Porter at number 14 in the first round, they've done a really good job of building that team despite not having a top five pick. I would love to cheer for that team if it, if it didn't have a Kroenke connection, but they're a fun team. Yeah, I'm with you. Can't cheer for them. Nope, they're out. From the 314 peak, LeBron James is no longer in the playoffs. And Pitt, the Cardinals, not doing so great the last couple days. I wonder if Father Time has won here with LeBron. Two I've years been wondering when is it going to finally hit. Yeah. There's so much mileage on that body, man. Oh, yeah. And two years ago, he gets hurt and they miss the playoffs. And then last year, they win in the shortened season. And now this year, he gets hurt and he was never really back to normal. Now, A.D., being hurt. It was the biggest factor in them losing the series to Phoenix, but he's going to be 38. And it was like he he never lost a step. I mean, that's crazy. He's been through the postseason how many times? He's never really had a full offseason in a lot of ways. So you talk about mileage. And he's played in all of those games. So his first year in L.A., they did not make the playoffs, correct? So it's rare that you don't see him go extended into postseason play. It's just it's been like a rite of passage for the last two decades in the NBA. He's going to play in the finals or in the conference finals. First time in his career he's out in the first round. Wow. And I believe it's the last first time he's lost a, a non-finals series since 2011 or wow. no 2010 with Cleveland. It's amazing. Yeah. And I I respect our listener and our texture here, but I think the playoffs are better when LeBron's in it. it I, I think you know take all the other stuff aside off the court, whatever your feelings are about him, it's always better to have the best players or yeah. the most marketable players still playing in your sport. Mm-hmm. Generally speaking, and it is. My hope is is that. We were talking about somebody limping out of a sport yesterday. Hopefully LeBron doesn't limp away from basketball. You want him to still be pretty good when he leaves. I'm okay with watching guys that have deteriorated and uh, aren't the same player. For instance, I'll give you a great example. Now, this is a hometown feel, and look at this. I still was so engaged watching Albert Pujols in Game 2 
with the Do- in the Dodger lineup, mm-hmm. I was glued to my television. Yeah. Well, I was glued to the sex. I had to watch it off a screen. Yeah. But <laughs> in general, I think it's. Uh, I think fans are really. It's fun to watch those players play. It still evokes memories for you. It's still you're on the edge of your seat sometimes, wondering he's going to do something special. I, I just was. I, yeah. I thought it was great watching him. And even Michael did that when, with the Wizards. He had some spectacular games. But the thing is, like last night, I'm counting on LeBron to carry his team against right. Phoenix, and it's just not there for him. And they're down by, what was it, 29 in the second quarter. So it was just rough to see. Right, right. That is... Peak and Pit here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we're going to head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line and another big golf tournament this weekend. Jay Delsing, our buddy, is going to join us to talk about that and more here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Michelle, Dan, and Randy on 101 ESPN. And we head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Jay Delsing hosts golf with Jay Delsing every Sunday morning at 9 here on the station. And it's always great to talk to him on Friday mornings because we want you to listen to that show. But we always like talking to Jay. How are you, sir? Doing great. Doing great. I got to say, guys, listening to Danny Mac last night with a full house at Bush, pretty awesome. I'm glad to have all those people back. It's nice, Jay. June 14th opens up to 100%. Get your tickets. <laughs> you know what? I mean, I, I know we didn't have a full capacity. I'm sorry. But you know what, Danny? I could tell that you were excited. It's got to be such a such a nice feeling to have that park and not be sitting in a room calling sports from miles and miles away. It, it, it's a huge difference. And I think as it pertains to golf and what I saw uh, with the players at the PGA, and I've seen so far with you know these particular tournaments, depending on where the municipality or where they're playing, what municipality, I, I, I've got to imagine it's got to be a huge different for, a difference for the players. Where some fans, I think a casual fan would say, really golf? I mean, you're just kind of, it gets quiet anyway when you're going to swing, you're going to putt. But I'm telling you what, players, athletes across the board, I don't think they realized it. And I've heard that from a lot of players in, in baseball. They didn't realize how much they feed off the energy of the crowd. It's it's not just something you say. It's not cliche. It's very true. And when it wasn't there, they realized what a difference it makes. No, it's it's really true, Danny. And plus, when, and you guys, when you think about the contrast in golf being quiet, which is really kind of weird when you think about it. You're outside and everybody's got to be quiet. But then you do something remarkable. Or one of these great players holds a long putt or a shot or something the contrast between quiet and then the eruption of all the cheers, it is, oh my gosh, it gets you it gets you really pumped up. Jay, the memorial is taking place this weekend, Jack Nicholas Tournament in Dublin, Ohio. And in addition to being one of the biggest purses of the year, it's also Jack Nicholas's tournament. How much do players play in this tournament simply because it's his? Is there that level of respect among the, the golf community for him, at least the pro golfers, that they play in it because of him? Oh, always has been, Randy. When, when we first got on tour, we didn't ha- I didn't have – when I first got on tour, there wasn't the World Golf Championships. So there were the majors, which is the four, and then there was Jack's tournament and Arnold's tournament. So those were kind of the levels. And if you could get into Jack's tournament, they're smaller fields, Jack and Arnold's tournament. They're smaller fields, and it meant that you you were having a good year or you had a good year last year. There were so many perks. And when you go to Muirfield Village, the staff over there, you guys, there's five people to do the job of one. 
The food is magnificent. The, you know, the, it, it's a it's a treat to play in Muirfield Village. The golf course there is one of the best I've ever played. It's immaculate. I, the fairways I grew up in in North County are were not I, uh, weren't as good. I mean, the greens at North County weren't as good as the fairways at, at Muirfield Village. <laughs> I looked at the fairways and I'm like, yeah, you could putt on these things. It's just fantastic. Jay, I was listening to this podcast that was talking about Adam Scott, and he was talking about making adjustments to a swing. We know a lot of golfers do that. They find a little hitch in their game and a way to make their swing better. But he said the worst thing that a golfer can do is analyze their own swing on camera because they get it gets too ingrained into their head. Have you ever done that, and do you agree with that sentiment? <laughs> I think I'm still lost, Michelle. <laughs> yes, I've done it. I've done it. And what happens is you get so... Uh, self-critical and you're looking to try to you there's there's moments in your life depending on your age where you actually think you know you can reach this point of perfection and really really control everything which of course we know now know that you can't and you just get obsessed with it and then you the the biggest frustration michelle is you'll stand out there and you'll hit ball after ball after ball and then you go jump back on video and go i'm doing the same thing (laughs) It feels different. I'm doing the same thing, and it's just amazing. And um, when when video first started coming out, you guys, this is pretty um, pretty remarkable story. Ben Hogan what, used to just wear the ranges out every place he went to, to ball after ball after ball. And they were excited when he was pretty much retired now and said, I mean, Mr. Hogan, this is really cool. Look at this video camera. We can take your, put your swing on video and you could check this out now. And you, you know, think how good you'll get. And he's like, I'm not interested. And he said, wait a minute, you're not interested. What the hell? Why not? And he said, I don't want to see that I'm not doing what I feel like I am doing. Wow. That's, that is amazing. I'm curious about this, Jay. We have analytics, obviously in baseball. And people may not know this. There's analytics in hockey. There's analytics in basketball. Now, I may be answering my own question here because when you watch a telecast of golf, you're getting the wind. You're getting the the uh, how high the ball is going. You're getting all that different stuff. Are there analytics in golf that are quantifiable to be able to use with your swing or, you know, try to practice on because you're you're not getting enough of this, you're not getting enough of that? I guess TrackMan would give you that, but the, the question would be uh, analytics in golf. Yeah, you know what, Danny? Another thing that came from the Tiger Woods generation or the Tiger Woods experience on the PGA Tour is all of the, there's the strokes gained stuff that you'll see um, on in the golf magazines, and no mention it in the telecast. That's an entirely new creation in the last ten or fifteen years. But to answer your question with the TrackMan and everything, absolutely. A TrackMan is a for folks that don't know, it's a computer that costs about twenty five thousand dollars, and it's standard equipment on the PGA Tour for every single player. They walk around with a TrackMan, and what it does, it does launch angle, it does spin rates, and for example, when Dustin Johnson first got on tour, he won tournaments and everything, but he was really, a, a, and he admitted it, he was a terrible wedge player. He could smash his driver, but once he got closer to the hole, he didn't necessarily hit the ball any closer to the hole. For over two years, he stood on the range with a track man hitting 80-yard shots, working on how much the ball spun and how much how he launched the ball off a wedge, which most people go, why the hell does that matter? Because you need to be able to control it. As you get closer to the green, you need way more precision than you need power. 
And so Dustin got on the range and worked his ass off with Butch Harmon. And now you see uh, he's not playing very well right now, but he's really turned himself into a good wedge player. So the answer is yes, there's tons of analytics. Hell, Danny, some of them I can't really even figure out. You know, when they're like strokes gained off the tee, I understand that he's driving the ball straighter and longer than anybody else, but the strokes gained putting and everything, it gets a little um, great. I I just know when I'm putting well, things usually work out okay. I I was going to say, Jay, that it seems like, kind of like with baseball players, you can get inside your own head too. Especially when you're trying to swing a golf club, you can think too much. Oh my gosh, Randy, we all know that, right? The the swing tape, the full swing tape takes less than a second long. It's amazing how many thoughts we could throw in there at that time. You're like, you know, it's it's just amazing. But I talked to Tiger one time and I said, you're coming down the stretch. And, you know, and, and, and Tiger had this beautiful ability to hit. He drove the ball all over the place, you guys, except for the last couple holes. And all of a sudden he'd be in the fairway or somewhere where he could play. And I said, what is going through your mind? And he says, I got, I got a picture where I want the ball to go and nothing else. I mean, all I'm thinking about is I'm looking at the ball and I'm seeing where I want it to go. Nothing else. And I, I tell anybody that I can help with their game is that, man, just hold on to one slight thought and then just try to hit it hard somewhere because if you hit it hard, it usually goes pretty straight. Interesting. Yeah. Because I, I need help, Jay. <laughs> There's yeah. no question. Oh, man, we all do. Oh, we yeah. all I need do. help, too. Yeah. And that's, I need help in golf, too, but in life. <laughs> Jay, I hate to put I know you, you guys have a three-hour show, but I don't know if it's long enough. We get to have us all sit yeah. down and lay down on the couch and get, get Rotella or somebody on the help. Good point. I, I hate to put you on the spot here, but it is National Donut Day. So, Jay Delsing, <laughs> you get to choose one donut for the rest of your life. You don't get any other donuts, just the one donut for the rest of your life. What is it? Oh, man, no doubt. It's a fat Steve from Strange Donuts, but it's vanilla. Even though as much as I love chocolate, they don't have a dark chocolate donut, so it's this um, uh, sour cream uh, um, uh, icing on a long john from Strange Donuts. Mm. Oh, yeah, I'd buy as many as they – I mean, if they had 12, I'd buy all 12. <laughs> Sounds great. You gotta figure They're it delicious. Out. <laughs> I mean, they are really good. Who's going to be with you on Sunday? I got another uh, 35 minutes or so with David Parody. Gosh, awesome. you guys, some of the stories he told last week, was, I, I still laugh at them. It's funny. He's one of the all-time best. And if you're out and about on Sunday morning, you have to tune in to golf with Jay Delsing. And the Faraday interview is fantastic. I love it. And you're doing a great job with it, Jay. We always like listening. Uh, thanks so much for having me on, guys. Have a good weekend. You too. You too. We'll see you later. That's the great Jay Delsing on 101 ESPN. So it's a fat ski over at Strange Donuts for Jay. What about you guys? Is there one donut above the rest? Uh, well, for me, there is. And it is the uh, the cream-filled chocolate frosted from the best bakery in town at Schnucks. Ooh, very good. Boston cream pie. Boston cream is always good. Boston, or not pie, but Boston cream donut. Yeah. Yes, that would be mine. How about and you, it's Michelle? phenomenal. I like uh, those cake-type donuts. You know, that are a little bit more crumbly, maybe a light glaze on the outside. Uh-huh. That's my play. Okay. I have to have something inside my donut, whether it's cream or Boston cream or whatever. I like to have the, the cream filled. I do too. It's very delicious. It really is. You guys need to get a donut deal in here. You work We're in the morning right now. Are you really? <laughs> well, we should be. As much as you guys talk donuts. Yeah. Un- unbeknownst to the people that might be part of the deal, we are working on one right now. So if you're wanting to bring in some donuts, yeah. I mean. Feel free. Yeah, absolutely. You're not scared. Coming up, take it or leave it on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs>
It is time now for Teoli on 101 ESPN with Michelle Smallman, Dan McLaughlin, Emily Butcher. I'm Randy Carricker. Great to have you with us. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Guys, did you see that last night the Tampa Bay Rays had a complete game? Ryan Yarbrough, their first complete game in five years, 731 games. Take it or leave it, that complete game came about seven months and 58 (laughs) games too late. At least going deeper into the game, it came in uh, too late. Yeah, Blake Snell staying in the game, I'm with you. Yeah, sometimes there's the eye test and it tells you, I don't care what an analytic report is or what they say to do with analytics, the eye test is still the eye test. And if a guy's rolling, keep him in. Especially when you're in the World Series. There's no, there's nothing else to play for at this point. He no. was your best shot. Yeah. Yes. It's and okay he, to keep guys he in. he wanted to stay in. Right. I agree. <laughs> Their last complete game was 2016. Wow. And as we mentioned, 731 games. And Ryan Yarbrough had gone 24 consecutive starts without a win. He's really good, too, yeah. by the way. he's He's been effective. How about the Tampa Bay Rays? Unreal. They just, they find, what I mean, they trade Blake Snell. They, you know, they lose Charlie Morton. They lost their two best right. pitchers. Lose their two best, and they find ways to win. I mean, they are beating up on some of the best teams in the American League East, which is a very competitive division. And Yarbrough beats Garrett Cole last right. night. Wow. Do you notice that uh, the news came down from Major League Baseball? I don't know if it's coincidence or not, but the news came down from Major League Baseball at the owner meetings, and they said, okay, we're, we're going to start enforcing the stuff with the sticky substances, and we now have... You know, I think what baseball did here, and I, I could be wrong, but all right, we're going to take the two first two months, take a look at all these spin rates, who's jumping off the charts, and analyze the baseballs uh, for the foreign substances. Well, they had plenty of apparently a plenty of evidence to show that this is a problem. They want offense in the game, and they said we're going to start cracking down on it beginning right now. And then Garrett Cole went out last night and got beat up. We should talk about that at eight fifteen. Idea. Oh, I didn't look at the rundown. Oh, it's just your, it's it's a good idea. That's what we call oh. a deep tease in the biz. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Is that an open spot for the, uh, okay. Right. Sounds good. So last night, you guys, we talked about this a little bit off the top of the show. The Suns defeated the Lakers to advance in the NBA playoffs. Take it or leave it. LeBron never wins another NBA title. I'm going to leave that because they'll understand that this is it for him. I mean, he's going to finish up as a Laker by all accounts. Uh, and they're going to do everything they can to put the right people around him and mortgage the franchise if they have to do it, you know, to, to bring those people in. I'm going to take it that he never wins another title. Part of the problem is going to be the expense of bringing in people to help him out, Understood. which when you already have him and AD on mm-hmm. the team, they're going to lose Schroeder apparently this offseason. He's a free agent, and they brought him in because he's exactly what they needed, and he fit what they did. But the big thing is is that LeBron is going to be your star at the age of 37 or 38, and it's hard to win when, unless it's Michael Jordan, on the, the, the Bulls <laughs> when your star is 37 or 38 at the end of a season. The other thing about LeBron this season, maybe you give him a mulligan because they, they had something like 58 days off between the time they won the championship and the time they opened up this season. So, sure, he's going to be worn down, but so is the 30-year-old, let alone the 37-year-old. Don't you guys think there's going to be a trickle-down effect from that type of the bubble season mm-hmm. for a lot of players? Oh, yeah. Like We'll, we'll find out in two or three years just how bad it was yeah. for certain players on their body. No doubt. And the teams, I mean, the Heat didn't get out of the first round either. The two finalists right. from last year, the Lakers and the Heat, didn't get out of the first round this year. I mean, you have coaches saying, I need to move on because I'm exhausted. Right. Yeah. You know, Brad Stevens said the bubble did him in. Yeah. Hey, that had to be tough. Very tough. 
Oh, is it Take It or Leave It for me? Yeah, it is. Oh, okay, Take It or Leave It by this time next week, the St. Louis Cardinals will have a different starting pitcher in their rotation Ooh. outside the organization. I like this, and I'm going to take it. I'm going to take it, too. I just threw out Take It or Leave It. I don't have an opinion yet. Okay. Well, I need to, I, I've done deep thinking on this, and I can't decide which way to go. Didn't Mo indicate that that was in the he cards? Did. Yeah, I, I thought that was interesting in his comments yesterday. He was pretty blunt in the yeah. fact mm-hmm. that you know, Libertor and Thompson, we like what they're doing. And development-wise, they made a big jump. we got to be you know, somewhat careful with them and not overexpose them to competition that could, you know, hold them back. So where do you go? you got to go outside the organization. I do think, though, this is a time, you know, we're not talking about the first week of the season. We're talking about now being past Memorial Day. So some teams have a pretty good idea that of who they are. Mm-hmm. I mean, they know... Probably went into the season realizing we're not going to be very good, but then you have a better understanding of just how bad or good you are. And so maybe some of those teams would be willing to deal. Emily, what do you got for us? From the 314, take it or leave it. Frank Thomas is one of the most overshadowed players of all time. I'll take that. He had a great Hall of Fame career, and it's hard to be overshadowed when you are a Hall of Famer. But he's not talked about, even in his era, as one of the best of his era. I'll take it, too. And... His era was the steroid era mm-hmm. for part of it, mm-hmm. and he wasn't one of the guys. I mean, as big as he is, a big man, you know, he was never linked to that stuff. He was just a big guy that had power, and he was overshadowed by others that were hitting the ball at ridiculous rates, and he was just a constant hitter with, that had power. He was one of my favorites as a kid. I loved watching Frank Thomas when I was a kid. Back in 1989, I think it was, uh, the Cardinals... <laughs> The Cardinals took a uh, Texas high school player by the name of Paul Coleman. He used wood bats in high school, and he was I like remember this that. Bunyan-esque type guy. And they had scouted Frank Thomas, and Frank Thomas had struck out four times against Ben McDonald of LSU, who had been the he, he was the first pick in the draft. And the Cardinals passed on Frank Thomas to take Paul Coleman, who. Two years later was converted to pitcher, and two years after that was out of pro baseball. It was tough to watch Walker Bueller the other day when the Cardinals mm-hmm. had a chance to take him, and they took Nick Plummer, who right now is at A. Now, fans will go, yeah, why didn't they take him? Well, by the way, it was the 24th pick. There were 23 other teams that didn't take him, too. So there was mm-hmm. concern with him. But, man, it's when you see those guys that you had a chance to get, and you go, oh, that's one of those guys. That, and I, my understanding was the Cardinals had very high interest in him. But there was injury history in Tommy John and whatnot, yeah. too. From the 314, take it or leave it, Tatis will be a 30-30 player at the end of the year. I don't know where the stolen bases are. How many has he got? He is running pretty well. Let's get that right now. I'll definitely but, take the 30 home runs. Yeah. And, and I think Acuna is probably headed towards that yep. stat, too. Got to stay healthy. Yeah. 12. 12, 12 yeah. stolen bases. Yeah, so he'll he'll be there. Yeah. Player of the month for May. He's awesome. So home runs. good. Oh. Yeah. Incredible. It would yep. be nice to see him here. Yeah. <laughs> Michelle. Just That's saying. We saw him 19 times, Michelle. Come Just on. Just saying. <laughs> thanks, Emily. <laughs> Thank you. And thanks for your text to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. So where do the Cardinals go in terms of trying to find a replacement for Jack Flaherty for the next few days or for the next few months? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Eight oh three 
in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And in a moment, we're going to give you a name of somebody who could come from outside the Cardinals organization to perhaps supplement their rotation. But we'll start with John Mozeliak on the idea of losing his number one starter. Losing somebody like Jack Flaherty is, is, you know, it's a gut punch. And, you know, I've been doing this a long time and I've, I've seen how seasons come and go and the ebb and flow of a season, and, and these are just part of it. And, and so, you know, ideally it'd be great if, if you could go through a season without any injuries and without um, having to, to figure out a way to backfill for these types of losses. But, you know, ultimately um, a lot of teams are going through injuries right now, so we're no different. And, um, you know, as I look to the next sort of, you know, month, we'll see internally how we can adjust to things. But... That doesn't rule out any time of, of exploring things outside. So, you know, clearly we, we feel pretty good about where we were going, but, you know, the IL is, is continues to grow, and, and that's part of the frustration of this year. But, um, you know, injuries happen, and, and you just have to deal with them. And there are still some guys out there like Cole Hamels and Rick Porcello. Mo, what about the idea of signing a free agent? In, in terms of, of when you say free agent, are they recently became free agents? Are they been free agents since last year? So when when people ask that question, it's it's you can't just answer it with a you know one simple answer because you know are they going to have to ramp up? Are they ready to literally be uh, plug and play? So there's a lot of things that go into that, and you know of course we're going to look at what that market looks like but i don't feel like there's any like quick answer that's going to be necessarily going to help us um you know there's certainly some other things that we're, we're exploring as well but you know really it's just about trying to create some depth because when you look at our current club and then you think about all the people that are on the the injured list and then you look at what's happening even at the triple a club where a few of those players that are on the 40 man are injured too our hands are a little bit tied at the moment so like roster creativity is going to be something that we have to you know take a deep dive in and and if there are ways that we can add some depth not only to the big league club but to our system in general is something that we're going to have to explore and um you know that's going to start right away all right let me throw a name out and this is uh, courtesy of jeff jones of the belleville news democrat four years ago dan three years ago 2018 the royals drafted four college starting pitchers and they're all knocking on the door and brad keller who's been good for them in the past is not off to the best of starts is brad keller an intriguing guy for you i think anybody is right now i I thought it was interesting what mo said where you'd love to address it in the immediate meaning right now but the plug and play thing is exactly Mm -hmm. right so when you start thinking about when guys are coming back like i'm not if they get michaelis back i'm not looking at him being back till august because he's he's been shut down, then you got to slowly get him back. So that's a start, and then another start, and probably a third start. That takes you into August. We don't know about the severity of Jack Flaherty. At least I haven't heard that. But by listening to those comments, it means he's going to miss significant mm-hmm. time, and you know they're going to treat him with kid gloves, which they should. And you don't want to re-injure it in case you're going down a stretch run into the playoffs. So it looks like he's going to miss a bunch of turns in the rotation. So just going out and grabbing a guy – if you bring him in the organization, you have no idea to an extent what he's been doing. You can throw all the time you want on the side, and those guys will say, hey, I'm ready to go. I feel good. I maybe need to start down in 
Memphis or whatever the case may be, but you just don't know. So the trade market does seem to be the route that if you're going to do it, that would be the way to go. He also hit on something very important, which I'm not sure people understand this. If you follow the game, and, and I mean other teams, the injury bug is prevalent in 2021, mm-hmm. not just with the Cardinals, but it is across the board. And in minor league baseball, it's enormous. I did some numbers the other day. There are 100 more players put on the IL Memorial Day than there were in 2019 at that time. Wow. 100 wow. plus more. Wow. So it, it's it's across the board. So the Cardinals aren't the only ones that are trying to figure this thing out. Is this because of the truncated season last year? I, I, and the timeline being disrupted. I think it's got to be part of it, part of the equation. Um, and it's not just pitching. It's like the soft tissue stuff that, that players get, the position players. They're in too good a shape. There's a lot of that stuff popping up across the board in in baseball right now. So, yeah, I, I, it's got to have a part of it. it. Probably a bunch of different things, and obviously we're not doctors, but how could you not look at getting ramped up in spring training, being two weeks away from opening day, and then they just all of a sudden whack shut mm-hmm. you down, and then, oh, by the way, you got whatever it was, 10 days, two weeks to get ready for 60 games and playing at a high level. You know, when you haven't played, what was it, a two-month shutdown at mm-hmm. least? What I don't even remember. what. So you got April, May, June. They didn't start playing until July something. Right. So three twenty-fourth, Almost four months yeah. of being shut down. I mean, and then yeah. all of a sudden you got to go, okay, let's go 100 miles an hour. I, I think that it just has an effect on your body. It has to. It has to. And I think there's there were cer- certain circumstances for different players where they didn't have access to their trainers for or sure. the facilities the way that they used to. And it was kind of make it up as you go and do the best that you can. And I, I mean, I can't imagine if you're throwing balls into mattresses in a hotel room that that could feel great for your body. I'll never forget. I had Austin Gomber on the air before the trade here at 101 and... I said, hey, you know, what's been going on with you? And he said, well, I'm sneaking into parks. He was sneaking into a park <laughs> in his, where he lives because everything was shut down. Ridiculous. Yeah. He said, I had to sneak in, make sure no one saw me. Had a friend of mine that could play catch. And he said it was very tough to find someone to catch a major league pitcher. Not everybody's out there catching, you know, 90 mile an hour sinkers. You're going to break your hand. So, you know, just to play catch. He was sneaking in a park. So... When you think about that and trying to come back and then play at a high level of Major League Baseball, the best in the world, I just think it's got to have an effect. I really do. And you don't know, Michelle, what certain guys did during the shutdown. You know, some guys may have said, hey, I've made money. And they may be saying that they stayed in shape. And I'd like to think that the great majority of them did. But there's a few, I'm sure, that said, hey... First time I've had four months off in a summer. I'm I'm enjoying it. We're binging Tiger King. Maybe Making so. some sourdough. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Could have happened. But I wonder if you're John Mosellock and you're you're watching all these injuries happening in Major League Baseball, how apprehensive you might be to go out and make a move. I know you need immediate help, but the last thing you would want to do is go out and mortgage your future in some way, and then that person you acquire gets injured. And I know you can't prognosticate that in any way, but if you're seeing it happen at such an elevated clip, it has to make you a little apprehensive. So I think a lot of fans would say, go get Max Scherzer. I'm one of them. I would love to see the club go out and get him, but that's your frontline starter. And I think what he said in that clip is probably the direction you go. You're looking more for, now if you can get a frontline guy and make a big deal, you do it. But I think you're looking more at depth. If you can get a guy that Mm -hmm. gives you some innings and buys you a day that every fifth day you feel like, okay, here's a major league pitcher. I'm going to get a decent start. May not win. Maybe we do win, but I'm going to get a major league pitcher. And it adds depth. I think that's what maybe the direction you go. And that might be the only thing that's available at this point in the season. Um, 
it, it's just an interesting time in baseball because now you are starting to figure out the have and have nots. You're also starting to see the injury factor. And that's all part of it and what's going on right now with Major League Baseball. You know, when you look at like, and here's another thing. When you look at what's happening with the Cardinal outfielders, so Bader's out, O'Neill's had two stints on the IL. Um, Austin Dean is at last check down in Memphis. He was on the IL. Uh, who's the kid they brought Newt up? Bar. Hurst. Hurst is Hurst on the is IL. Newpar is a really good defensive. So if you want to bring him up, he's on the IL. Yeah. I, they're just, you know, the, def- the 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 depth of the organization is really being tested, not only with the Major League Club, but your 40-man roster. And one place, by the way, if you're just looking for where the Cardinals might have some depth, with the advent of Edmundo Sosa and with Juan Yepes, the guy that the Cardinals got for Matt Adams a few years ago, had a 958 OPS at Springfield. They just brought him up to Memphis, and he'll be knocking on the door soon, apparently, as well, to at least be a major league player, if not a, a regular, maybe a player. So you might have some depth at a position of some value, shortstop, if uh, if Yepes winds up doing anything. Talked to John Mosellock the other day, and I said, what's kind of got your attention with your team now a couple months in and he said well you know O'Neill's kind of becoming the player we thought he could be we were patient with him and obviously that that's starting to work out but he brought up Sosa specifically you know he said it, it's great when you have a guy in your system and you develop him and now it's starting to come to fruition and I don't know about you guys but he's He's been everything I uh, and more than what the Cardinals could have hoped for with the young going down. He's been terrific. Yes, I'm shocked by how good he's been. I knew defensively because I'm I'm down in spring training. Mm-hmm. I didn't go this year, but I see it. Like I knew defensively, he could play at this level at a high level and be just fine. Now he's committed four errors, but he gets to a lot of balls. He's got great range, good arm. So that part hasn't surprised me. Um, and two springs ago, you're seeing the ball jump off his bat, which it wasn't happening prior to that. He's made an adjustment, and maybe it's just he's growing into his body, too. But he's he swings the bat okay, too. Now, he's going to have some ruts along the way. Mm-hmm. Everybody does. But he's been – that's not a problem. I mean, he's been fine at shortstop. That is today's Fresh Take on 101 ESPN. Coming up, Ken Rosenthal reporting yesterday that Major League Baseball has looked at a lot of balls that apparently have substances on them that benefit pitchers. So what's next? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Last week, of course, we had Joe West confiscating the cap of Cardinal right-hander Giovanni Gallegos, and it had to do with the substance that apparently was on the cap. Last night, Ken Rosenthal tweeting, MLB informed owners this week of severity of issue with pitchers applying foreign substances to baseballs. Sources tell The Athletic, enforcement is coming, but the league will follow a process involving communicating with players and umpires unions, as well as all 30 clubs. And apparently over the course of these first two months, Dan had mentioned, they have found, Major League Baseball has found, a lot of baseballs with a lot of suspicious substances on them. I'm intrigued to see, A, what baseball does in terms of analyzing these balls to find out what the substance is, and then, B, going about 
enforcing this? How, how do you, when you don't have agreement from the Players Association or the umpires, how do you go about enforcing what you want to enforce? That's the number one question. I, I was working with uh, Ricky and Keel, as you guys know, last night. We were talking after the game about, um, and we brought it up during the game about, and, and he offers tremendous perspective being a hitter and a pitcher. And that's the exact point we brought up. Like, where's where do you draw the line? You know, as we, I was saying to Rick, I said, guys were doing this when you were playing, obviously. And he's, you know, of course they were. He said, but you just don't, there is a substance now that is being used that's beyond just the uh, sunscreen and the rosin and pine tar. And it's a real sticky substance, obviously. And it, can you, can you police that? I don't know where you draw the line. I don't know how they do that. Uh, do that. I thought this was interesting Nick Castellanos was on a show yesterday, and he said, quote, is it illegal or is it not illegal to put stuff on a ball? It's illegal. The league obviously knows that they are doing it, but the league doesn't care. They don't care because it was really a problem, uh, because if it was really a problem that they wanted, they would put people in the bullpen to check gloves, to check hats, whatever. The league would do something about it, but honestly, I don't think it's that important to them. So that's one way maybe to police it, as he's saying, go check out in the in the bullpen. Mm-hmm. He said, I truly start speaking my mind. I usually get in trouble. It's just the league has to figure out if it wants to be illegal or not and stick by it. Hitters right now, by the way, are hitting. Do you guys know what the league average is? 231? 236. Mm-hmm. So we're hot. Um, he said he honestly doesn't pay, to, uh, pay much attention to it. Everybody else complains about it. But my frame of mind right now... The moment that I start complaining about it, I give them an advantage. I don't want to give these dudes not one slight advantage over me. So sticky stuff, no sticky stuff, stuff, different word that he used. Mm -hmm. Throw it over the dish and it's going to get hit hard. Interesting. Well, when the Angels clubhouse manager got in trouble for this, remember he used the concoction they called it go-go juice? When that story broke, a lot of people around baseball were saying, everybody knows that, that every pitcher is using this. So what what's the big deal? Well, the big deal is that strikeout rates are up so high, and it's not even that that Major League Baseball is upset with the with the substance. It's they're upset with the result, and they want the game to be more interesting and exciting and more balls to be into play. But I just think, like, like with most things, if you're going to police it one way, players are likely going to find a way around it. Well, the other thing is, too, if if you're a fan out there or you're listening right now and you grabbed a brand-new box of balls and took that ball out of it in the wrapping, you would grab a ball that is very, very slick. So balls are supposed to be rubbed up. They used to be call it Mississippi mud, and the, the clubhouse guys would rub it up, and it, it gave it at least it took the, the slickness off, this, off the ball. It wasn't quite as slick. And with as hard as guys are throwing, if you ask most hitters, if not all, they'd say, I do want something on the ball so that it, these guys have somewhat of control because I don't need to take a 98-mile-an-hour fastball to my face. So it goes back to Randy, how much can you put on the ball and how do you police it? I, I don't have the answer to that, and that's something baseball is going to have to address. So pitchers are always saying that they want the stuff on the ball so, for control. ESPN Stats and Info says that hit-by-pitches are at their highest rate in the majors in the past 100 years this season. Now, that could be part of why do guys in this day and age of baseball, what gets you paid as a hitter right now? What is it? Hitting home runs. Hitting home runs. Mm-hmm. So what do, what do you, if you're a pitcher, how do you try to negate that? One of the ways you can negate it is if you're throwing – 95 to 100, you pitch up in the zone. 
because it's tough to, to barrel that up. Launch angle, we hear about that term all the time. So what happens when the pitch is up? There's not as much control sometimes. So the ball tails back in, guys get hit. I also maybe think it's something to where Major League Baseball and organizations, they push young players all the time. Like the, There's not the seasoning in the minor league. So you're seeing more younger players coming up that have these massive arms but have no idea where the ball is going. So I think that's part of the problem too. And if you don't have something sticky on the ball, it, it, it's dangerous. I mean, there are guys that are going to get hit. Kevin Pillar got hit in the face. It was nasty. We saw what happened with uh, Bryce Harper. So there's got to be something. But you can also miss down the middle. You, you, you can, but that goes back to the point of can guys control down the middle when they're max effort. And this game right now, the way it's played, it's max effort. You don't. We don't talk about guys that are, boy, look at the movement, and he got three ground balls. I mean, how many times do you hear that anymore? It's what do you get paid on as a pitcher? Strikeouts. Mm-hmm. So your max well, effort. That's why you do it. If if I'm Rob Manfred in the leadership of Major League Baseball, I am going to be much more concerned about, and I'm going to be much more punitive in dealing with pitchers with substance on the balls than I was initially with steroids because. It comes down to dollars and cents at the end of the day. You're going to sell a hell of a lot more tickets when people are hitting home runs. So you you turned a blind eye to steroids because it it was glorious. You were getting all these home runs. It was you were hitting you you had offense. Well, now with this substance, steroids a substance. This is a substance, but it's suppressing offense and it's hurting your sport. Right. I also think at that time when home runs were abounding during the steroid era, you needed that to save baseball. Mm -hmm. And I think baseball's in a precarious position right now. We talk about it all the time with fan engagement with the younger fans. And so I think that's maybe why baseball wants to take such a proactive approach to this, because they realize they're in this tough spot trying to hook people's attention. And one other point, because obviously more home runs are being hit now than ever before. Home runs were new then, 97, 98, 99, 2000, McGuire hitting 70 and Sosa hitting 66 and Bonds. That was new. Now it's kind of old. Eno Saris, I don't know if you guys heard the interview with him. He does a great job for listeners that don't know. He, he writes for The Athletic, and he dives into some incredible nooks and crannies in, in the game of baseball and studies and, and has the numbers to back it up. I'm paraphrasing here, but he was on our show with BK, uh, I think it was last week. And to your point, Randy, he said, essentially, this is the steroid era of pitching. Mm-hmm. He said, that's how you have to look at what's happening right now. And the other part, he said, what in their studies, think about this. It made the pitchers, those that had the spin rates that were jumping from one year to the next of massive amounts. He said, when we put it all together, it's about a 30% increase in your performance. 30%. Wow. That's a massive jump in performance. So... It is a problem in baseball, and it has to be addressed. I, I don't know if you go to the bullpen, like Nick Castellanos is saying here, um, and, and start checking out the guy's forearm and looking at his glove, what's on his belt, what's on the pant leg. Do you go to the catcher and look at his glove and look at his equipment? Sometimes that happens, too. Right. You can put it on the equipment of those. You know, Do you go to your third baseman when they throw it around the horn and he's, you know, the strikeout happens. Yachty throws it down to Arnado. He maybe rubs it up. I'm not saying that happens, but do you do that with any third baseman? I don't know. It's very, at least in my opinion, watching this from the outside, not being in those meetings, I'm not sure how you can police this. And to what level do you let it happen where you say, eh, a little stickiness is okay, but, oh, you're too, you're too sticky. I, I don't know how you do it. And the franchise where this became a prevalent thing, 
is the Houston Astros, who obviously had their cheating scandal with hitting, but the suspicion of the Houston staff in general was much greater early on than for anybody else. So if you're looking for a starting point for where we are now with the substances and the spin rates, it starts with Houston. And I think now with the spin rate and being able to, and every team has data on their guys and the opposition, you kind of know who's taking this to a, a level. And maybe that's the way that you have to approach it is that, Okay, this guy for in 2019 had a spin rate of X, and now it's jumped up exponentially, and he never was able to do that before. Well, how is that happening? He hasn't changed mechanics. Body hasn't changed. What's changed? And maybe that's the way you have to look at it is you, you look at the data and then start evaluating the baseballs that he was throwing. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So maybe it happens after the fact. And now that doesn't help you in the moment. You still maybe lose the game, but... Moving forward, they could say, we're going to take a harder look at you and let him know privately, hey, you're going to get looked at. And I think it was Greg Amsinger that said, you know how like on crime shows they have that black light that shows blood on walls that's been cleaned off? Yes. Just give the umpires a gun to take a look at the ball. If there's a substance on it, okay, it's there. You throw the ball out or throw the pitcher out, one or the other. I, I just I just don't know how you do it. I don't know. Do you guys have any ideas on how no you do idea. it? I have no idea. Because you, what's the the bottom line is you have to determine what substance is going to be legal, and then how do you figure out if an illegal substance has been applied? That's right. right. That's the bottom line. And you got to be tricky. Yeah, and it, pitchers it, are always going to be hit. Players are always going to be tricky. Uh, working ahead. Well, here's the other thing. I mean, think about it. When I was growing up, I saw one game on television a week, and that was the NBC game of the week, and it was like, oh, this is the greatest. I get to listen and watch a game. Every game is on television. Mm-hmm. Every game. So when you start seeing spin rates for a player, or some guys make this thing look like a wiffle ball now. Mm-hmm. There was a, a game last week that was on Twitter. Lake Trinan. That's who it was. And it, it, I mean, and actually Ricky and Keel and I were talking about this last night. It broke two feet. At least. It's crazy. It, it, it looked like a wiffle ball. And so now if you're a team or you're Major League Baseball, do you go back and look at the video of when he was on the mound and say, how's he doing this? So is he is he going to his glove? Is he going inside his glove? Is he going to the belt? Where's he wiping? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you look and maybe say that's how we have to police it too, is going after the fact. Spin rate is huge. We know the ball was doctored. Now how's he doing it? And pay attention to it and alert the umpires to it too. I don't know. Maybe that's how you do it. It's Carriker and Smallman with Danny Mack on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we've got the fight for you. Stick around. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the fight on Character and Smallman. In the red corner, average Joe Listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of Morning Drive. Please welcome Randy Character. Welcome back to Character and Smallman with Danny Mack on this Friday. It's time for the fight. So let's welcome in Randy's challenger and the person that Dan will undoubtedly be cheering for. It's Ricky. Ricky, let's go. Well, good morning. How are you guys? Well, good morning to you. How are you doing? Absolutely wonderful. Sun shining and uh, just a good day. You feel confident? I don't really know yet. Okay. Well, let's do it. Let's go. 
And Ricky, All right. I, I love your energy today. Big energy. I like it. Friday, yeah. big energy. Big, love it. Big Ricky right. energy yeah. on a Friday. Absolutely. All right, Ricky. Question number one, and I know you're locked into this one. Yesterday, unseated James Madison upset number one seed Oklahoma in their first women's college World Series appearance. Which school has won the most women women's college World Series championships in NCAA history? Is it Oklahoma, UCLA, or Arizona? I'm going to go with Arizona. Yesterday, Cardinals outfielder Harrison Bader, his 27th birthday. Bader played college baseball for which SEC team? Mississippi State, Florida, or LSU? Man, I feel like I should know that. Um, I'm going to go with LSU. Played with Pete Alonzo, right? He did. Yeah, Yeah, they were teammates. Yeah, I remember that. All right, Ricky, the Denver Nuggets defeated the Portland Trailblazers 126 to 115 last night, and they advanced to the conference semifinals. Who is the Nuggets coach? Is it Michael Malone, Terry Stotts, or Nate Nate McMillan? Uh, I'm not good at basketball. I'm going to go with C. You say Nate McMillan? That's right. Okay, see, former Cardinal Ricky Ankeel made his color commentating debut last night. He was great. He made his major league debut August 23rd, 1999, pitching against the Expos. Who did his first career strikeout come against in the first inning of that game? Rondell White, Vladimir Guerrero, Jose Vidro. Vladimir Guerrero. Okay, checking our score. Randy's on his way in. Hey, Ricky, what do you do for a living? So I'm a, a district sales manager for uh, an equipment rental company. Are you ready for the weekend? I am. My son's got a baseball game tonight. we got a tournament this weekend. So, yeah, I just love watching him play. Awesome. Aww. Good luck to you. That's great to hear. And good luck to your son. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, thank you. Randy, say what's up to Ricky. Ricky, welcome. Good to have you with us. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. How are you doing? I'm fantastic. Thank you for having me. Randy, question number one for you. Yes, Yesterday, unseated James Madison upset number one seed Oklahoma in their first women's college World Series appearance. Wow. Which school has won the most women's college World Series championships in NCAA history? I'll go with UCLA. You didn't even, you know, start. Normally, when you answer a question, you start saying, well, this person played here. This person. You, st- you do a lot of thinking with it. This was just a big guess, wasn't it? Yeah, but I do know that the tournament is being played in Oklahoma City and the women's softball tournament is treated much worse than the men's baseball tournament. Yesterday, Cardinals outfielder Harrison Bader turned 27. Good for Harrison. (laughs) Bader played college baseball for which SEC team? That would be the uh, go Gators, Florida. The Denver Nuggets defeated the Portland Trail Blazers 126-115 last night. They advanced to the conference semifinals. Who is the... Who is the Nuggets coach? Don't call me Mike. Michael Malone. Uh, He was doing, did you see that? He was doing one of those after quarter interviews, and it was Cassidy Hubbard who said, Mike, and he goes, Michael, Michael. Kind of snapped at her, but then she called Mm. him Michael at the end. Michael Malone. Former Cardinal Ricky Ankeel made his color commentating debut last night. Do you know that? And he was terrific with you on Valley Sports, yes. Do you know he did that? Uh, regular season. Right, regular yeah. season. Yeah. He made his major league debut August 23rd, 1999. Mm-hmm. Went north of the border. He's pitching against the Montreal Expos. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Who did his first career strikeout come against in the first inning of that game back in 1999? The 99 Expos in the first inning. Dan, I'll use the lifeline here. Rondell White, Vladimir Guerrero, Jose Vidro. Okay, I'm going to guess that uh, this is totally a guess, obviously. This is trivia right here. Mm-hmm. Um, Rondell White, Jose Vidro, or Vlad Guerrero. I'm going to... I'll go with Guerrero. Okay. All right. Randy and Ricky, who takes home the W on this Friday? Emily, let them know. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. The fight sponsored by Ryan Kelly and HeroLoan.com. Check out how they help veterans and service members at the new and improved HeroLoan.com. Dan just showering Randy with praise right now behind the scenes. Just really <laughs> letting him know congratulations on winning. I'm well sorry, done, Randy. Ricky, but Randy beat you three to nothing. Three to nothing. Good job, Randy, today. So it was UCLA. They've won the most women's college World Series championships in NCAA history. Randy, you know how many? We'll say 13. Close, 12. Yeah. Uh, they're going to get the 13th this year. Okay, so. there you go. Harrison Bader played in the SEC, and he played for the Florida Gators. The Nuggets head coach is Michael, not Mike Malone. And uh, Ricky Ankeel's first Major League strikeout was Rondell White. Mm. Rondell White, not Vlad Guerrero. Okay. I Total guess. I figured, I was just thinking, okay, Vidro hit down in the lineup in 99. I thought he wasn't like, like a top-of-the-lineup guy. I liked Vidro. He was a nice player. But I was figuring, okay, first inning... Gerard's in third. Yeah. Yeah. So that was. I can understand that. Why, why I was guessing. Yeah. Well, Ricky, thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. Have an awesome weekend. Yeah, you guys too. Thank you so much. 314 says after a lifeline, and Randy still just had to guess. Uh, had to guess. Never heard him say that before. Well, I've totally guessed. You to, come on. It was 1999 in the first inning of a game. It's a pretty important game. Top prospect in the Cardinals system. You got to remember that stuff. I don't remember the first. Strikeout of Jack Flaherty's career. I don't remember the first strikeout of Adam Wainwright's career. I don't remember the first strikeout of Alan Watson's career. Well, you should. One of these things is not like the other. So you uh, you got beat this week, huh, by a champion? Yeah, for champion forever. <laughs> oh no, is yeah. that right, Kevin or Kyle? Both, Kyle. His name was Kyle, but I accidentally called him Kevin, so he became Kevin Kyle. Yeah. Good so, for him. Yeah, he's in the Hall of Fame. So what does he get by being in the Hall of Fame? Uh, bragging rights. And he's photo uh, on our website. Champion. For, it's like Bob Plager when he beat Scotty Bowman the only time he ever coached against him. So Bob Plager says forever, hey, I'm better than you. Does it bother you? Be honest. The Bob Plager got that win against No. Him? No, Hall of Famers are good. Okay. And this is, uh, on, what are there, three or four Hall of Famers? I think, yeah, three maybe. Now four. Now, now four. four. So yeah, that's it's a special place. Four and how many years you've been doing this? Oh, well, since our show started, there's been four. Oh, okay. Since the Hall of Fame started, there's probably been maybe eight or nine Hall okay. of Famers in, All right. in 11 or 12, 11 years. It's pretty good. He's pretty good. Yeah. And our new Hall of Famer, Kyle Kevin, didn't normally once you win the Hall of Fame, you continue on, you see how far your streak can go, and you have to take the fight Randy style after that. He didn't want any of that. He said, Is I'm, that right? He yeah. says, I got he the dropped the mic and hung up the phone and said, Tapping adios. Out. He went out Peyton Manning style. He says, I, I, it's too stressful going against Randy. Don't want to compete anymore. Dan, did you just say adios? No. 
I'm, I'm not. I'm not going to do that. Maybe I'll slip it in at some point this year. I like that idea. Well, I'm being asked by the Riz Show on a home run to say, Yadios. Yadios. How about just when he throws somebody out? I could probably do that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'll, I'll slip it in. It'll Good. get some club down you, there, you down the hall. You J-Dub in there. Oh, yeah. J-Dub is a real thing now. Yeah, you asked me to do J-Dub, and I J-Dub did that. J-Dub is a good thing. And then what all, you, all the players now call him J-Dub. What do you want tonight? Anything you guys want? This is a fun game. Okay. We need to, we need to brainstorm on something. And make sure it's something that's legitimate. Yes. Oh, yeah, I owe it to the fan base to try to do the best <laughs> I can. Maybe we should come up with three to four ideas, put up a poll. How about that? Whatever you want. Yeah, We can work on that for okay. the 9 o'clock segment. But coming up... Don Garber told us yesterday, hey, this city should have been in MLS in 1996 when we started. So with that being the case, how much pressure is on the league and St. Louis City SC to succeed? That's coming your way on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. many years, St. Louis has been known and was known as the soccer capital of America. A lot of great players have come out of St. Louis. Obviously, a lot of championships for St. Louis University at UMSL and SIU Edwardsville. We have an unbelievable soccer history. And for that reason, we kind of figured that we would be, would have been in MLS a little bit earlier than year 27 of the league. But we're waiting until 2023. Yesterday, MLS Commissioner Don Garber joined us, and we asked him about St. Louis and about how he finally got St. Louis into the league. Uh, we we always believed that St. Louis was a great soccer city, and I said at a breakfast earlier this morning with some business leaders, you know, when, you're, when the league launched in 96, it's hard to imagine that St. Louis wasn't one of the original cities, just simply because of the history and, and the depth of support for this uh, game at all levels. Uh, but we needed a great ownership group. We have that now with the Taylor family. We needed a great stadium plan. We have that now with the downtown stadium project, and we needed the corporate uh, support uh, that we have uh, deeply. And that's now uh, uh, kind of moved into great fan support, you know, 55,000 individual ticket deposits, which is a remarkable number for, for any pro sports team. Uh, so we're excited that uh, I've got a you know, a lot of optimism about what this is going to look like over the next year and a half. And you made a good point, both of you, that, you know, there is still a year and a half to go. So the team has got work to do to engage with their fans, create more and more touch points uh, that uh, will allow them to connect with both those who are existing season ticket deposit holders, but also new fans both here and throughout the region. But I've got confidence in them, and uh, I think the best is yet to come. Michelle and Dan, I have no doubt that this will be the marquee franchise in MLS, but I also think there's pressure, not not just to be good and not just to have a sustainable franchise, but now we have to put our money where our mouth is, and I love, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. It is. Put yeah. your money where your mouth is? Yeah. Yeah. But we have to follow through on all of those ticket purchases. We have to have great TV ratings. St. Louis in my opinion, especially because of the perception of St. Louis from the NFL standpoint, I think we need to show the world that we are not only an awesome baseball and hockey city, but we're just an awesome sports city. Because while we know that, I don't think the rest of the world does. And I think it really is a lot of pressure for St. Louis, 
our fan base, our ownership, everybody involved to show that we are the marquee franchise in MLS. I have no doubt that that's going to happen, especially in the immediacy of this. Look at how many people want tickets and we're years away from the team even being constructed and or taking the pitch. I think that the way the stadium is being well done, by the way, thank you, where the stadium is being built and how they're weaving the stadium and the facilities into the fabric of downtown and midtown. They want to make it a full experience for fans. They want you to go downtown and spend the day there. They want you to eat there and, and have your pregame rituals there and enjoy the game. And I have no doubt that St. Louis is going to show up to support this team, but that only lasts so long. They're going to have to put out a quality product on the pitch, and they're going to have to be competitive early on because St. Louis is a place that not only loves sports, but they hold their teams to a really high standard. And I think that in the immediacy of this, everyone's going to want to support the club. But, yeah, I think they do have some pressure to make the team entertaining and exciting and, most importantly, have success. I had uh, the chance to emcee that breakfast that – um, Don Garbo was at yesterday, and, and you set it up perfectly, all the different things as to why, you know, St. Louis is a great town. And I said exactly this. I said, so what the hell took you so long? And, and he started <laughs> laughing. He said, you know, we had some hurdles to, to clear and whatnot. And namely, it's great ownership that is set up here. Um, the Taylor family, as we've talked about many times, has done so much for the city of St. Louis that has nothing to do with sports, but making this a better town and with the charitable aspect of how generous they are. I think the other thing that is going to excite fans is that young kids are playing this sport all the time. I mean, there are so many kids in this area that are involved with whether, whether it's the fuse program um, and they've been incredible, whether it's been the Gallagher program or even just your, your school program, but there's so many kids that play it. And I think what we have to understand is we get a better understanding about what will go ultimately on the field. And as a fan, you want to see winning. Um, It's about also how many uh, players they develop coming out of St. Louis Mm -hmm. and the fact that they're going to expose the sport to so many kids and give them an opportunity to play. And some of the kids that maybe never thought about playing and doing it in a world-class facility and all the things as a fan, you're going to enjoy. Uh, if you haven't been downtown mm-hmm. to see the stadium, I mean, it's going up and it's going up fast. Yes, it is. It's And it's going to be in that corridor of downtown to where we can all enjoy a weekend where Chicago may be in town and you're going to see a Cubs, Blackhawks, and the Chicago Fire coming through St. Louis. You can have that all in one weekend. So we're all going to enjoy that part of it. But in terms of what they're doing through diversity of all different backgrounds and bringing people in, that is massive. And the other part is getting kids involved in the game. And they're already starting to do that. So the developmental program is going to expose this sport to so many to so many kids. So it's a win on all these fronts. And the Taylor family has set the bar very, very high. Asking corporate sponsors, making sure the stadium is world-class, doing the infrastructure around what the stadium is going to look like with bars, restaurants, um, the different things that City SC is going to bring in. So they, they've done everything right, and uh, now time's ticking. It is. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a year and a half, and it's going to be here very quickly, but they're on, they're on track to make this go absolutely perfectly, and I have no doubt that they will. 
when the Rams were taken from St. Louis, I think part of the reason that fans were so upset is because on the way out, the Rams tried to denigrate St. Louis as a sports town. The fans didn't show up. That No other team can succeed here. And people here, that's such a part of St. Louis's identity that we, we knew it was a blatant lie, but we took that so personally. And when the Battlehawks came to town, the, the way that they engaged with the fan base and with the community was this is St. Louis's homegrown football team and what do you want to see at the games they had a lot of forums where they talked to fans about what type of experience they wanted when they went down to the dome to watch the battle hawks play and you saw how immediate that relationship was between the battle hawks and the fans it was so organic and people loved that team because it was theirs and st louis city sc is going to have the exact same thing this is a homegrown soccer club it's going to be very uniquely st louis it's going to be st louis's team and i think when you have the Taylor family at the helm of this, who is St. Louis and constantly pours into St. Louis, and and I think most importantly, knows what the St. Louis sports fan wants out of this experience. And you hire people like Matt Seebeck and Kalia Collier and people who are involved in the community and know how to construct this thing. You really can't lose. <laughs> well, you hit the nail on the head. When, when the team left uh, to go to L.A. It, it, and the relocation letter, which torched the city, it, it That was very problematic. And I, I know some people that are involved in high levels of this stuff. There were other people that are outside of St. Louis that don't understand what's going on here. And you read that letter and you think, well, why would we want to have uh, a soccer team there? Why would we support the league, you know, looking into ex- expansion there? Because this guy just left and, he, and he's talking about Fortune 500 companies and what's happened with the city and blah, 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 blah. And so... That the negative aspect of that was big. It really was. Mm-hmm. And so by the Taylor family stepping up and then going into these boardrooms and talking to powerful people and saying, no, 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 this is how it really is. This is what this city does. This is how the city will support it. Um, it had They had to change the narrative for some people to make sure that this got done. And that's unfortunate that when the Rams left and their owner decided to do that, it, it, it had a, a, a negative effect of not only leaving the team, but then what you were thinking about with MLS and trying to bring it to St. Louis because some of these owners are football owners too. And so they're, mm-hmm. they're seeing this Including stuff. Including that one. Exactly. And you're saying, well, now wait a minute. He's leaving and he's torching the city and he's saying all these negative things. And others had to step in and say, look, that's not the way this is done. That's not right. Understand how, this, how he left, why he left, and what this city does offer to what you want to bring for soccer and sports fans in St. Louis. And so... The negative effect of that was a trickle down and was not good. And by having MLS come here, it does change the narrative for many people outside this market. And the NFL is a Goliath and it's going to be around for a long time. But for that particular owner and that particular franchise, I don't know if I'm going to be here in 25 years. But my guess is, is that in 25 years, we're going to be happier that we have an MLS franchise than having built a new football stadium for an NFL team. This league is exploding. Um, And one of the things the league has got, you've got soccer-specific stadiums like St. Louis is building, and it's going to be phenomenal. And then you have, like in Seattle and Atlanta, where they're getting 60,000, 70,000 people that are coming to their games. But again, I'm going to go back to the point of the developmental program of what's happening with all these teams. It's changing what's happening with soccer in the United States. They are graduating these players not only to play in the MLS, but to go overseas. And then the international competition to where you're going to see that that next generation of player that is trained properly to become a world-class player. 
I mean, there's no reason. It's hard to believe that we live in the United States of America and we haven't we have such great athletes and we're not yep. dominating in that sport. Well, those kids now are saying, I want to play soccer. And so you're going to see those generations of kids graduate and dominate the sport. Coming up on 101 ESPN, who should represent the Cardinals in the 2021 All-Star Game? The ballots are out. You can vote now. But do the Cardinals have a clear-cut representative? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. It's 9.04 in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Michelle Smallman, Dan McLaughlin, Randy Carricker with you. And Major League Baseball's All-Star voting has commenced. And with that, here we are on the 4th of June. And you wonder, okay, two months into the season, what Cardinals are deserving of playing on the All-Star team or what Cardinals will be voted to the All-Star team. Different things because you can get voted in and not necessarily be deserving. Although... To be fair, I do think that the voting process has been pretty spot on the last couple of years. I don't think guys generally make it anymore that don't deserve to. I'm just happy it's an exhibition game and it's no longer this one counts. It's an <laughs> oh, exhibition game. Counts. Yeah, it is. I mean, come on. Having the most important game of the season decided yeah. by an all-star game, game seven of the World Series, home yeah. field advantage, that's what you got if you won. Come on. Yeah. That's tough. Uh, that wasn't for me. But, but to your question, Randy, if I think about players on this Cardinals team that I think are deserving of being an all-star, the first name that pops up for me is Tommy Edmond. Where would the Cardinals be without him and his versatility? And I just think he's been excellent for the team this year. I don't know if he'll get the vote, but I think he would be a great representative of the Cardinals in the all-star game. He, he would. The, the problem for me, for him, and I'm totally with you, um, I think he should be. If you were going to tell me who should be an all-star or has a potential, he's on my list. Here's the problem is that the Pirates have to have a rep, mm-hmm. and i got to go Adam Frazier from Pittsburgh. And, and he, he plays. leads all-national second baseman in OPS. Right. Ozzie Albies is second. He's He or Gavin Lux is likely to get the vote, or right? So they'll, they'll be in. Ryan McMahon, Colorado, doesn't have an awful lot of potential all-stars either and he's third among national league second baseman in ops then you have wonger who's going to get some cardinal fan votes cronenworth was second in rookie of the year voting last year for the padres and then josh harrison of washington all of those guys and by the way gavin lux of the qualifying second baseman in the national league he is eighth behind edmund in ops but he's a dodger so the most deserving Cardinal, maybe right now, or the one that would have at, at at the time that we speak in terms of having the easiest path potentially to the All-Star game, even though he's walked a ton of hitters, is Alex Reyes. No doubt. I mean, that, that would be the guy for me. Um, I think Tommy Edmond would get a run. Arenado might win the vote. Arenado maybe yeah. wins the vote. And maybe Yachty. Maybe. And one of the things that Yachty's going to run into, kind of like Edmond, is that You've got a lot of guys on bad teams, catchers that are having pretty good years. And Buster Posey is having a return-to-form year. So that's my question is, is Yachty, unfortunately for him, is he going to be able to, and maybe he will get the vote, but if he doesn't win the vote, if Posey does, do you look at Carson Kelly, who could be the only Diamondback? Yeah. Yeah. Carson Kelly would be there. Um, Think about Edmund. I, I... if the All-Star game had a, uh, how would you phrase the the position? I'll define it. The posi- position would be 
uh, most versatile player right now in the league. Something like that. You know, he can play second, play short, play right field. He's going to be listed as a second baseman on your vote. But if you had that guy like your... The Swiss Army Knife? Yeah, the, the Swiss Army Knife kind of player. Um, I, I think you'd have to look at that. You'd have to look at him. He'd be one of my votes. He'd, he'd mm-hmm. be certainly somebody I'd look at because of his flexibility. And prior to the injury, I think we'd all put Jack Flaherty in yeah. this conversation yep, as well. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. So you've got Melanson, who leads the league in saves. Reyes is second. I, I think Alex Reyes is a lock. I can't put one of my shortstops in. I think Goldie, because of his start, and if he gets hot over the course of the next month, things could change. But I just don't see Goldie right now as being an all-star and then none of the outfielders. No. So I agree. It might be you're looking at Reyes, Arenado, and perhaps Yachty. And Rio, by the way, I didn't mention really Muto, who very well could win the vote also. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of times, as we've talked about many, many times, popularity contest, it's the fans' game, and it's who they want to see play. If I'm an American League uh, fan, I want to watch Nolan Arenado. I, I want to watch him. Definitely. So he might get some votes there in that regard. Do you think there will be a groundswell for Yachty, too, if people think this might be his last chance? Well, I've always felt that it should be a commissioner's choice, a commissioner's pick, if you will, that when you have, and let's just say it's an aging player. Let's say this is Albert Pujols's last year, and we know it for sure. He's, mm-hmm. he, let's just say, for argument's sake, he's come out on the record and said, I'm done after this year. It's over. Um I've got to put him on a team. Now, in, in the commissioner's pick lets you expand your roster um, because fans want to see that guy. Yeah. It's about seeing your favorite players and those that have made the game great, and it's an exhibition. It, it doesn't count. So I would – and if Yadier Molina came out tomorrow and said this is my final season, absolutely I want to see him on the all-star team. Right. And I think it's good for the game. I, I So I always have felt like there needs to be a commissioner's pick or at least – he has the ability to add players that he sees fit for special circumstances. I think that's important for the game. So, if it, like, for instance, if, if a player was hurt for two and a half, three months, but you know he's a – and he's going to retire, and he's a great player, he's only played a week, but now he gets healthy for the All-Star game, put him on the put him on the team. Who cares? Yeah. People want to see him. I'm with you. That would yeah. be great. And they may have done that. I'm not sure if they added Ozzy in 96 or not. But he, remember, he, he was there, I believe. Yeah, he, he was there, but I don't know if – he Bud Selig may have put Ozzy on the team. Somebody else that year in the American League was retiring also. I don't remember who it was. But I, I seem to remember Ozzy being added to the to the All-Star team. I mean, if you're... Cal Ripken was the other one. That's it, who it was. His last one. Um, I, I think if you're, you know, if, if they said Miguel Cabrera is retiring at the end of this year, you add him to that roster as another example. Yeah. You know, the great players that are probably headed to the Hall of Fame, put him on the roster an, and let him play. It, it is an all-star game. Yes. Right. right. And you're, let's let's also say this too, it's built for television now to where you're trying to get some kind of rating. And if you're trying to engage the fan base and have more people watch, you know, do you want to watch the casual fan? Does he or she really want to watch some rookie that's been, you know, had an okay year, but you had to add him because he's your lone guy? 
Or would you rather watch Albert Pujols come up and hit three times? Yeah, Pujols, absolutely. Yeah, and you talk about it the whole time. You're, yep. you yeah. know, the, the, it's it's. There's an, features built in. Yes, you you probably interview him. There, you're right. It's a TV show essentially. Is absolutely, what this is. absolutely, and it's a showcase of your sport. Mm-hmm. That is today's big thing on 101 ESPN. So we've got uh, we've got Arenado and we've got Reyes for the Cardinals right now. Next up, we're going to talk to new friend of the show. Once you hit. Second guest appearance. You're officially a friend of the show. Chris Rose of John Boy Media will join us to talk about Nick Castellanos, the Cardinals, and more here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Michelle Smallman, Dan McLaughlin, Randy Carricker on 101 ESPN. And Chris Rose has a great show on John Boy Media. And he has a great group of players and guests that he talks to all the time. And Chris is going to join us in a moment. But first, we want to hear from yesterday's show with Nick Castellanos, the new St. Louis villain of the Reds. Isn't it fun to get booed in a visiting stadium? So my favorite place to play right now on the road is St. Louis (laughs) for that very reason. Oh, they like you there. Walking up to the plate and getting booed is the best because I'm like, man, they're booing louder for me than they're cheering for Arenado. You know, and for me, like, you know, I remember Tommy was at second. He's like, man, is the booing getting old? I'm like, no way, man. This is amazing. If you're getting booed because you're playing hard and like you're beating their team, yo, hats off. That's, that's, as, that's as much respect as you can get you know, from, from an opposing organization. Yeah. You're going to get booed there for a long time, man. That's awesome. Yeah. It's fun. It makes it fun. (laughs) Chris Rose joins us now on 101 ESPN via the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line. Chris, good morning. How you doing? Doing great guys. How are you? Everything's good. Well, let's start with this. He will be booed in St. Louis for a long time. And I would imagine that because there's such a vast listenership to this show that he'll be booed heavily tonight at the ballpark. <laughs> yeah, they were a few boos uh, last night, uh, but he did get a couple more knocks. I think his hit streaks at 19 games. And I mean, he's, he's swinging it great. He's always been able to swing the stick uh, ever since he came up first with Detroit, but he's really taken his game to kind of a new level ever since he got traded to Chicago. I know last year was a little bit of a dip, but that was obviously a strange season. Um, but he was fascinating to talk to for about 45 minutes. We just, we covered everything and including the dust up, what happened the first week of the season, why he was so upset. Um, you know, his relationship with Yachty, uh, why he was upset with major league baseball for suspending him for two games. And, you know, it was interesting you guys in the national league central have had two guys talk about, I don't, I don't want to say their disdain for, for St. Louis. I don't think that's fair, but Chris Bryant went one direction where he talked about your city. Nick Castellanos said nothing about St. Louis. He talked about the rivalry and the fact that, yeah, there's nothing better as a pro athlete than, than getting booed by the other. I mean, you shouldn't be cheered by the other city. Um, but it, he was really fascinating. I thought. 
And, and Chris, that's the sort of personality that baseball needs. There are so many people that yeah. play it so close to the vest and aren't willing to talk and be colorful. To me, uh, even as a St. Louis, and I love what he says. Yeah, I mean, he was he was honest on so many different topics, um, including one which I think we're going to be really, really diving into a lot, and that is, you know, putting a foreign substance on the baseball. He basically came right out and said baseball doesn't care. Um, and this was taped a couple of days ago, so, you know, there's now reports trickling out that they're going to start looking for and checking guys before they come into the games. Um, but yeah, I mean, listen, he's just an honest guy and whether you, you like that or you don't like it, it is good for baseball. It is because for too long, I think we've covered the sport and haven't, you know, gone into their personalities enough. We tried to do it on intentional talk for the last 10 years. Uh, that, that was really the thing that, that people enjoyed most about the show that I worked on. But those were interviews that took eight minutes. On a show like the Chris Rose Rotation, we've got a rotating group of co-hosts, six active players from around the league. They're not guests. They're co-hosts. So, like, the co-host for the Castellanos episode was Miguel Rojas for the Marlins. A lot of people didn't know who Miggy was before the season started. They might have known his name. But now they know who he is. They know his background. They know he came to this country when he was 17 from Venezuela after never having left his grandparents' house. And they get to know these guys. And, and I think that that will hope, hopefully help grow the sport. Chris, I want to circle back to what you said about the foreign substances. And I'm with you. I think that Nick Castellanos was amazing talking about this on the Chris Rose rotation. I loved how transparent he was with his feelings. But in your opinion, how is baseball really going to police this? What do you think the best course of action is here? Well, I do think it's a start to, to have him check you know, that was kind of Nick's point is that he wanted people like in the bullpens, checking their hats, checking their gloves, checking their belts before they get out there. And something does need to be done. I mean, Trevor Bauer kind of blew the doors off this thing a couple of years ago. And he said, listen, if you're not going to check, then why wouldn't I utilize this to my advantage? Um, I think that maybe for the average fan, it doesn't resonate because you really can't tell. Like, for all of us, we're all amazed that pitchers are able to do whatever they can to, to make a baseball spin, whether it's with help or not. But to the guys that are stepping into the batter's box, you're talking about changing livelihoods, right? And I think all anybody ever wants when they're watching pro sports is an even playing field. And so if guys are being suspected of cheating and laughing at the sports face because they're not doing anything about it, that's not good for baseball. I mean, I was... I was ashamed that they didn't come out with some sort of statement, you know, the day after the athletic article came out where JT rail Muto was comparing this to steroids. I mean, I'm sorry if you're, if you're the leader of a sport, why would you want that to dangle out there without coming up with some sort of statement? Um, so I do think that it can be handled. I think it'll take a full off season to be honest with you of negotiations to figure out what should be legal and what shouldn't be. In terms of your, your visit with Castellanos and Chris Rose is our guest. Uh, what did he have to say about the dust up in that first series and standing over Woodford, then ultimately being uh, suspended by major league baseball? You know, he made a good point. So he ended up being suspended two games and fined 10 grand. He was in a, uh, a dust up when he was with the tigers in 2017, I want to say, against the Yankees in which Gary Sanchez 
started throwing sucker punches in his direction and at Miguel Cabrera. And he said that Sanchez got the same penalty and was actually fined less. He said that his, his old, uh, his teammate, Amir Garrett, remember when Amir Garrett charged the pirates dugout, he did get a more severe suspension, but he got less of a fine. So he was trying to figure out exactly how he, who all he did was flex and say something. He didn't put his hands on anyone and he walked away how he got the same penalty. Um, and I back him on that. Like, to me, I understand. Let's try and take the emotion out of that play, right? So Cardinals fans are going to back the Cardinals. Reds fans are going to back Castellanos. What is the rest of the baseball fan who doesn't have a dog in the fight? Think about it. I'll be honest with you. I kind of dug it. Like, he, he scored on a pass ball. He had some emotion after taking 93 in the ribs. He didn't stand over the guy for two minutes. He flexed for a second and he walked away. Like, what is the, what's the matter with that? Again, again, it it doesn't it go back to the unwritten rules that you don't show up and hey, the the unwritten rules are are out the window, right? Stop, stop, stop. But that major league baseball decision makers do not police the game based on unwritten rules. We know that, right? Like they don't, they don't just, they just don't do it. Now you can sit at home and say, well, that's not the way I would do things or that's not classy. Those could both be accurate statements, but I'm okay with emotion. I'm okay with that stuff. My point is don't the unwritten rules at some point when you have one person that's abiding by him and one person that isn't in a testosterone laden sport, doesn't that lead to conflict? Okay, so I'm just I'm confused by the statement because Here, here's my thing is what what baseball wanted to deter, and hey, there, Michelle was totally on board with what Castellanos did, but what baseball wants to deter is brawls. They they stop brawls themselves now. They have umpires that stop brawls themselves. It's not the players that stop brawls. So if you have Castellanos standing over Woodford in a WWE pose and Woodford's on his knees. It did lead to a fight, and that's what baseball wants to deter. For, be- for but it better led or to worse, a fight because because Yadi went after Castellanos. Castellanos walked away. So now Yadi was a hundred percent right to go back as pitcher. He has to do that. I'm good with that. And by the way, Castellanos was too. He said it. You heard this press conference afterward. Yeah. That guy could punch me in the face, and I'd still ask for his jersey. That's why he said I have the utmost respect for him. Like, I really believe that the sport needs more emotion. We, we can't be put in these little boxes. If you, if you want to put your head down and run after a home run, cool. You want to backflip? Cool. You want to, after striking somebody out, pump your fist and put a sword in your pocket like Trevor Bauer does? Awesome. If you just want to walk off the mound, that's cool too. The point is, is that not everybody should be cookie cutter. There shouldn't be this way to do it. This and Chris, is the baseball. That's that's the issue. And it's losing our hands because of it. Yeah, but but that's the issue. We had a manager here for 16 years with the White Sox. Now he, he wants, for the most part, and, and granted, that has caused major major problems. Do you see what? I mean, just two week, two and a half weeks ago, it was ridiculous what he did. Yeah, absolutely. I thought he was wearing a twin hat after a game. You know, he's like, I mean. 
he called one of his player, players clueless. Clueless. A 28-year-old rookie who had to scrap and, scratch and claw to get into Major League Baseball and for the first six weeks was leading the American League in hitting. He called him clueless to the media because he swung at a 3-0 and pitch against a team that had given up a game. Please. And to me, that's where baseball needs everybody to be on the same page. And if, if you're going to run promos that say, let the kids play, then have everybody on the same page with letting the kids play. Don't have Do people that disagree with that voicing their opinions. Get them on the same page. But you won't ever have people on the same page because we're all, right, we're all human beings. We all come from different backgrounds and understanding and thought processes and, and things of that nature. My point is, whatever page you want to be on should be okay. The same page should be, okay, it might not be perfect for me, but it be, might be okay for you. I mean, isn't that the page we should all live by? So we, we shouldn't be upset with what Tony says then? Well, no, no, no. Now, there's a difference there. Because your job as a manager is to protect your players, not to protect the other team's players. Wouldn't you agree with that? I, I, do, I, I, I agree with that, but in, in terms of the, the unwritten, quote-unquote, unwritten rules, Tony doesn't appear to be on the same page as what Major League Baseball is. Uh, no, I mean, I, I, I can't back one thing that he did in that instance. Not one. You're, the manager's job is to protect his team at all costs. He can disagree with what Yermin Mercedes did by calling him into his office and talking not by putting him on front street in front of everybody. I guarantee you that the, there were a bunch of players that either went into LaRusse's office or they had a team meeting or something. And it, Tony LaRusse's job is to help get the guys in that room pointed in the right direction, not to pull them apart. Don't you think that's what he did? Knowing Tony as we do, I wonder uh-huh. if maybe there were there, there was an ulterior motive to get those players to actually bond against him? Listen, I suppose that's possible. That is possible. I've never met a guy who's... He did his same shtick every day. You know, every time he'd go in for a Cardinals game. Hi, Tony, how are you? Well, I'll let you know in three hours. Yep. Like, really? Like, it can't be like, hey, life's okay. Uh, my work with the, with the animals is going great. I'm really proud of that. Like, it was never that. And I suppose that's why he's one of the greatest managers in, in the history of baseball. And I know it's a little blasphemous to say something like that in, in St. Louis where he had so much success. But, man, at the same time, I think if anything we've learned from the pandemic is it's okay. You can have a, a purpose and a singular focus, but let's kind of just step off the accelerator for just a second and try and understand where everybody else is coming from because I don't – I don't know if that's what he did two and a half weeks ago. No, it's not. Hey, Chris, before we let you go, you've got an IG Live coming up at 1030 St. Louis time, and you mentioned that you're going to be wearing and unveiling a new cap. I'm not going to ask you to unveil the cap, but I want to know how extensive the Chris Rose cap collection is. Well, the good news is, you know, it's interesting because when you talk about um, teams on on the show that I do with Trevor Plouffe on John Boy Media, everybody's like, oh, well, you hate this team. You hate that team. I was like, no, no, no. I can only pick six division winners, so I don't hate your team. Like, for instance, I don't think – I think the Brewers are going to win the Central. That doesn't mean I hate the Cardinals. I think they're just going to edge out the Cardinals. 
So I have all 30 teams represented. So this is actually a team that is outside of the 30 Major League Baseball teams. So I'm super excited. It came this week. I kept asking my wife. I was like, has the hat come? Has the hat come? She's like, stop bothering me, you idiot. I'll tell you when it's coming. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited for it. So we, we see it today. IG Live on John Boy Media, Chris Rose and Trevor Plouffe. Chris, thanks so much for the time. Good to talk to you. Great stuff with Nick Castellanos and a fun conversation. I appreciate it, gang. Thanks so much. Have a good day. You too. Take care. Chris Rose, John Boy Media on 101 ESPN. Coming up, you're killing me, Smalls. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. During the break, we were talking about late night shows, and we have talked about how fans not being in ballparks affected the entire feel of a game. Same thing with those late night shows. Without crowds, man, they were, and not that they've improved a lot, that they've got a few people back because they're scuffling, but without crowds, they were absolutely abysmal. I was a David Letterman uh Loyal watcher. Mm-hmm. Loved Letterman and really haven't gone back to watching late night guys. Yeah, they're all scuffling. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard now. And I think Letterman, we were talking about this off air, did such a good job of interviewing his guests. And I feel like you would you would look at who Letterman and Leno had, right? That It was like checking the lineup every day. And now I don't even look to see what person is on those shows. And I wonder if social media has something to do with that, that these celebrities are so omnipresent. They're, if I want to see what JLo's doing, I pull up her Instagram. I don't have to wait That's for exactly her right. to go on, on Letterman and, and share some things. So I think it's been really difficult for them to have to adjust to that too. The vehicles to promote are so vast now that you don't have to be at the behest of these shows to to promote your product right. or promote what your movie is or whatever because you can you can do it yourself and still get probably the same uh, reaction or at least to people that take it in. I really believe that. Mm-hmm. No, there's no doubt, and especially because every trailer is on YouTube, every movie trailer, and you can. You can foster your own narrative on the internet, whereas if you did an interview with Letterman, you'd probably have to answer some questions that you'd prefer not to answer, right? That's right. But now you can have your own narrative and put it out there, and as many people are going to see it on YouTube, maybe more than on a late-night TV show. And as you mentioned, it's a controllable environment for you. You can do as many takes as you want. So if Mm -hmm. the tone isn't right or you want to change your answer, you could just roll tape again, edit it up, throw it on YouTube, where I'm sure for some people it's nerve-wracking to go on a situation like Letterman or Leno Mm -hmm. and not only not know the questions that are coming, but there's a live studio audience there and you're knowing that it's live across the world. And you have to be so careful these days yeah. with what's going on. And and there were times now you'd probably look back at some of those shows and go, ooh, you know, or grimace a little mm-hmm. bit. Where back then it was just, ah, you you know, whatever, you took it in. Now you can't. No, that's exactly right. By the way, my late night show TV watching has been preempted by the advent of the four-hour nine-inning baseball game. That's Understood. true. Same. Yeah, who has time it. for late night when you're watching Cardinals games into the wee hours? I totally understand that. I mean, those games are, are long, especially when the Cardinals are not throwing strikes. Yeah. You know, then it gets really long because then you're working out of the bullpen. You're working with uh, 
runners on, you know, guys are it's just too fine, trying to be too fine sometimes. So it, it does. It, the game is very long. It's just you, you, if you want to sit down and watch a baseball game, you probably need to dedicate minimum three hours. I had the conversation with Adam Wainwright the other day that, about all the walks and throwing balls. And he agrees that it's mental. If you have the ability to be a pitcher to make it to the major leagues, and granted, a lot of Cardinal pitchers don't have a lot of seasoning, but if you have that ability to make it to the major leagues, you have the ability to throw strikes. And it's just a matter of getting a hold of things mentally. Uh, and Max Effort does change things, by the way. That's when, where I'm going. Yeah. I mean, if you watch Wainwright last night, he he's a pitcher. You mm-hmm. know, he's flipping up various speeds of his breaking ball. Uh, he's throwing 88 to 92. He's looking for location. Um, where I, I just think a lot of guys, and again, they're rushed through the minor leagues, and they're coming in throwing as hard as they can. And it is hard to locate when you're max effort. It just is. And it's across the board in Major League Baseball. So to try to compare Wainwright, who is fantastic, and it is so much fun to watch him pitch, mm-hmm. to what we're seeing with the majority of Major League pitchers, it's like apples and oranges. And this isn't going to change because we have fewer players drafted. We have fewer teams. We have fewer minor league players and the fewer there are, the less time they're going to get to develop into true major leaguers. We're going to see a lot of development at the major league level. And it's happening now. Yep. It's happening right now. Um, I think Ryan Helsley has 35 innings above a ball. Oviedo had, uh, I think he had over 100, but none in AAA. Uh, obviously, Jordan Hicks never pitched between a ball and the major leagues. Uh, I did a list of Cardinal pitchers, man. There's a lot of guys with less than 100 pitches between A ball and the minor leagues. And by the way, that's 100 innings. Everybody. Yeah. That's everybody. It's just the investment in the player, depending if they're a high draft choice. And once they're in the big leagues, so do I want to pay a guy three and a half million a year to come out of my bullpen, $5 million a year, whatever it is, or get basically maybe the same uh, and take a flyer on a guy making the league minimum? You you run a business. What do you think? I and mean, if that guy blows out, I've got another guy just like him. Just coming exactly. Yeah. He, another one's on the way, and that's just that's where we're at with baseball right now. I I was wondering about this. I and I'm guilty of it as much as anybody else. We talk about the negative aspects of the game. I wonder if we just need to say this is the game. This is it. This is 2021, and the days of Whitey Ball, which we all enjoyed, and the entertainment value and. Um, the excitement of that and and that style of baseball is it over? I mean, and so just deal with what we have and enjoy the game and love it. Either you do, or you don't. But I guess the concern would be that the young fans mm-hmm. don't, yeah. and it's eventually they're your ticket buyers and watching on television and buying your suites and signage and all that stuff. And I understand that, but is this what we're where we're at? And we're not going to get back to that. Maybe we can try and do some things to help it, but let's enjoy what we have. I'm with you. I'm enjoying what we have. But before we just accept what we have, if they just give me the strike zone in the book, I want to try that. Rather than the strike zone between the belly button and the knees, I want to try between the armpit and the knees and see what happens. If we're doing all that, I there's a bunch of things I would change. Yeah, but it was that way in the 60s. That's one of the reasons Bob Gibson had the 1.12, obviously, the, the higher mound and the incredible ability that he had. But... He wasn't walking a lot of guys because he had the strike zone. But I, I think, though, Randy, if so, where, where's your where's the top of your zone? Top zone in the book is your, your armpits. It's I right, think you right at your chest, right at your nipples. I think you have to lower it 
because guys are throwing so hard and they've got spin rates that show that they have the, if you want to call it like the extra giddy up, you know, and if you lower the zone because you're looking for more offense and launch angle and guys are trying to lift it out of the ballpark, maybe that would be beneficial instead of keeping the zone high where guys are swinging through that pitch, they can't catch up, they can't barrel it. Maybe we lower it, and and that could have an effect on the game. Maybe. I don't, I don't know. I just want to have it more difficult to walk. I, I'm i with you on that one. Yeah. So however you do it, let's do it. It's uh, I mentioned earlier in the show, I talked to John Mosellock, and I said, hey, are there any trends that you're seeing right now in the minor leagues with all the rule changes? And he said the one that he's really going to study, and Major League Baseball is going to study hard, the electronic strike zone. Mm-hmm. So that's being used at rookie ball. And what they have found is the the walks are really high with the electronic strike zone uh, for whatever reason. Now, you're also dealing with, there's a reason those guys are in rookie ball. Yep. They're trying to find the strike zone. So maybe that's part of it. We don't know. But generally speaking, during those games, they have been um, a, a high walk rate. And then we had Tom Lawless on the show the other day, and he's working for the Miami Marlins in their system and helping rehab guys. And he has seen that in uh, being done in use. And one of the things he said that he noticed that's been good, it sped up the game. Electronic strike zone, strike zone, whether it's walks or strikes, whatever. But it has sped up the game. So I think we're gonna. It's coming. I, I don't know if it's going to be in the next year, but it's coming. Coming up, but you've got a couple of guys from the 2011 Cardinals. Uh, Kyle McClellan will be our guest, and John Jay and BK will be in that seat. All right. Looking forward to it. Have a great weekend. We'll be tuned in. Thanks, guys. Danny will have the call for the Cards and Reds during the course of the weekend. As always, great work by our producer engineer, Emily Butcher. Thank you. Thank you. Michelle, this was fun. I hope you did. Did I make you guys uncomfortable when I was discussing with uh, Chris? No, it was just a conversation. It was great. I didn't get mad. No, you didn't. And good for you. Keeping your cool. Making a point. That's right. And I will see you Monday. Yes, we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show till... Monday morning at 7. Have a great weekend, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Character and Smallman podcast, powered by I Promise. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The College Football Playoff Committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the College Football Playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. You made it. Checked out of office to check into the sweet views of this place where the kids aren't asking for the Wi-Fi. Mom, can we go to the pool? And when you're with Amex, it's not if it's going to happen, but when. American Express. Don't live life without it.